0: Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, read A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 165, A Dance with Dragons, prologue, Varamir, featuring Zach of the Brotherhood Without Manners. I am one of your hosts, Chloe.
1: And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And yes, today we have gotten the other half of the Brotherhood without Manners, uh, whose name does not rhyme with this episode.
2: Hello, Zach. Thanks so much for coming to hang out with us. The smarter half, but thank you so much <laughs> for having me. It oh, is fuck. oh
1: my fuck, god, dude!
2: My abs- absolute pleasure to wrap things up with the prologues here because it's been a run. You've oh yeah, had a, you've had a you've had a run going here with these. We've and... had the runs, yeah. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> La- oh my God, it feels like. it. <laughs> last episode there were some odd silences though like you guys would throw it to to someone but there was just silence on my end so uh unless you oh, can yeah you kept like ouch. calling to someone like a nate but i tune out every nate i hear so it's just there oh, were long it was an empty episode actually i have okay. a i have a bone to pick with you girls because you entertained yeah. his nonsense tinfoils <laughs> and and allowed him to actually come up with the most decent one which he gives on your show not ours which is the leo tyrell potentially being a faceless man which was like the best one he's come up with yet and he gives it to you guys so thanks for that thanks for because he's been walking strutting around like they like my tinfoils oh my so but I'm, I'm i'm thrilled to be here thank you for having me
0: Zach is the uh, more logical, you know, brother of the two. He really likes his facts, mm. his basis. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Brotherhood Without Manners, you will hear him shoot Nate down every, every single episode, which is fun. Every
1: chance I, can't, I, I can't
0: lie. It is fun. And I did come on and uh, I feel like I did a good... Partisan job of splitting fifty fifty the support I gave out to you both I when think I was you did. on. You were
2: right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Because yes, he 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 did have some out there things, but I think that's what makes him him. He al- that's what that's neat. He also
2: claimed Howland Reed was like a C lister, and that's just. Uh uh-uh. Uh uh-uh. Well, we we read him to film. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, we fixed him uh-huh. We fixed. We put that. him in his place, Bob. But...
0: Oh, interesting.
2: <laughs> oh. Uh... <laughs>
0: Zach, where could everyone find you online? On your, I think you have Twitter and, of course, you guys' website.
2: Yeah, we're, we're all over. You can find us. Uh, our website, which has everything, is BrotherhoodWithout.com. I'm on Twitter at carstark 92 Nate will say I'm not that active on there, which is actually true. He's more active on the actual podcast Twitter, which is at MannersWithout. And then we also have Patreon and an email. Patreon.com slash Without Manners and our email. Without Manners Brotherhood at Gmail, where that's where our listeners like to send us inductees, because We are the Brotherhood, and we are always taking new recruits, so
0: I love that, so would you say you're in your early Brotherhood stage or your late brotherhood stage because I feel like there are two very
2: different there are two things. very different. We're approaching fast the red wedding we're blocking out, and you would know as podcasters the red wedding's a tough one to block out do you do you cover do you cover it in bits? do you do it in parts? do you cover it chapter by chapter? and so we're blocking that out, and yeah, I think the Brotherhood is about to shift in tone here real soon at the mm-hmm. end of Storm when we get some new leadership, so... Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely some tones
0: of the, the Nega Brotherhood versus the Proto Brotherhood, mm-hmm. you know, especially in this chapter.
1: We'll get into. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Have you considered... This is just out there covering Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood?
2: Oh, because then you'd be like a brotherhood, brotherhood. It's a good idea.
1: See, Whoa.
2: Nate would love that because I'm... So un—he's like I'm not a nerd in anime, <laughs> and no, and just in and I'm a super nerd. Like I'm the DM for our D and D group. Uh, I'm a super. I just anime yeah. I never fell into, so I'm sure Nate mm-hmm. would love that. You could
0: watch it with him for the first time, right? Uh, oh, that's I just so beautiful. like new patron series. Yeah. I'm like it's a really ten episodes
2: good. out from finishing uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender for the first time. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I know, amazing. I know, I know.
0: Yeah, it's hey, great. I didn't watch it, it till recently, amazing. and Eliana really amazing. did help promote that. Yeah. So, I do think you should watch Full Metal next then. Yeah. I absolutely will. Yeah. Put it on the list and make that your brother show because I feel like <laughs> then you guys should cover it, the Full Metal Brotherhood. The Full Metal Brotherhood without Manners. Well, yeah. may have just given us an idea.
1: It's about brothers. It actually very much is about brothers. Let us. It's
0: literally about brothers. Yeah, literally. It's uh, about brothers. Let us market your podcast. Okay. <laughs> let us come in. I'll give you some programming ideas. Hey, this is what you're, watch, what you're gonna watch. What you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Um, content director. We we'll have for to the start crediting you. Multicasting. Right. Eliana. <laughs> Eliana. Uh, Eliana. What. Eliana, what? Eliana. what? what? Thanks so much for coming on, Zach. I'm so excited. We're going to bust into a little housekeeping, some morning announcements if we were still at the Citadel, but we're not. First things first, we know what we're doing for our patron episode this month. If you are a patron at patreon.com slash canon in the stranger tier, the thunder tier, the chestnut tier, or the Zorst tier, you have access to bonus episodes every month. Uh, of a different variety, of a different spice, of a different flavor. Last month, we covered A Song of Ice and Fire. Grief in A Song of Ice and Fire. It was a morbid, macabre, but kind of hysterical episode, I would say. This month, super fucking stoked to announce that we're going to be covering The Mothers of the Dragon on Mothers in Fire and Blood and Targaryen and Tangential Mothers. That I'm very excited about that episode, Aliana. In fact, I'm so glad you said yes 12 minutes ago before this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I felt like we were in sync when you said that, because I was like, oh my god, I was just thinking about this. And it also makes sense, right? We were inspired by these two brothers, and mothers rhymes with brothers, and that's how we make all of our most important decisions. We'll talk about poetry a bit more uh, this episode.
0: MILFs Without Manners, the new series from <laughs> Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God. laughs> but what if we
1: did? What if we did? Okay. Okay. Uh.
0: What if we only did MILF? Anyways, so (laughs) excited about that. And we have some other fun things coming this month, like our Discord brunch and happy hour for our Thunder Tier and above patrons. Eliana, what's going on there this month?
1: It's Discord brunch and happy hour, (laughs) as it is every month. And this time uh, it is going to be on August 28th, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, which is also, coincidentally, one of the Hot D premiere days, I think for the second episode is what that will be. Second episode, second episode.
0: I think we're all going to be really excited and do a little pre-Hot D gaming. I always like to pre-game my Hot D before I have it.
1: A little foreplay, Um, yeah. A little
0: foreplay for the hottest of Ds. Yeah, I'm excited. And we're going to have another event happening right before that. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is going to be weekly. This is really big. This is like drum roll, please. Big, eight twenty six, Friday, two to four p.m. We are going to have our very first official House of the Dragon weekly discussion in the Discord chat, over in the voice chats, uh, and that's hosted by our friend and patron Maddie, who, if you listen to Unleash the D, the premiere series from Girl Gone Canon, while one girl was gone, uh, about House of the Dragon. Featuring me, your host. Uh, If you listen to that, you probably heard episode three where Maddie had some really great talk about the anarchy, about a bunch of the influences for the Dance of the Dragons, and also a little green apologism. But we like a couple differing opinions. She made some points, some great points, honestly. So she's going to host this weekly, every Friday. There's going to be a discussion on last week's episode and the following week's episode from start to finish, premiere to end. I'm so excited so thankful and grateful to her. Thank you, Maddie, for volunteering to do this, volunteering to do this. And that—I mean, if you're in the Thunder tier and above, or if you're not, you better pledge and get your spot because it's gonna be fun. I think there's gonna be some day drinking and shitting on Otto Hightower and Kristen Cole, which is—it's in my wheelhouse.
1: Indeed, indeed. I'm—I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. And yeah, so that'll be on. Usually on Fridays, Fridays is what we're thinking. And yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see how it goes in terms of timing. But um, yeah, Fridays at 2 p.m. ET. Eliana mm-hmm. time. Eliana uh, time. So that people from across the different factions of the world, but that we mean time zones, can, can see what, what y'all can do. <laughs> how about them hot D apps? Ah, yes. What's going on with those? The hot D episodes that are not a democracy. <laughs> in which only Chloe and I talk. <laughs> those <laughs> we are also doing those <laughs> um in fact we actually
0: corporate sellout girls <laughs> it's,
1: okay but it seems like it was gonna be really fun and it's gonna be this one's gonna be about it is it's gonna, gonna be, be about sisterhood maybe sister wifehood you know because we're gonna hang out it's such bad news for you with what happens in this story
0: <sighs> Uh, we're gonna do House of the Dragon episodes. They'll probably be out Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I think the first one is really gonna dictate that. So, hang on to your seats. Follow us on all the media's. I'm sure there will be tweeting or posting, shit posting about when these are gonna come out. Kind of excited though because I'm super excited. We're gonna record them. At least the first half of them. We're gonna record together. Together.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, sisterhood. Like you said, very exciting. Yeah. And maybe we'll stop recording them together, together, in person, together, just in time for their breakup, too, right?
1: Oh, my God.
0: (sighs) We did this. To quote George Lucas,
1: you know, or not quote George Lucas, but whatever. It's like poetry. It rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) And finally,
0: if you're itching for that other sweet, sweet fantasy story that we talk about from time to time, His Dark Materials, it's true. The rumors are true. We're finishing the original trilogy of His Dark Materials, this month, next week, even. Rather, yeah, I know, whoa. uh, The Amber Spyglass. We're looking to have our friend Haley Bowery on. Can't wait to see her and chat with her about it and finish up The Amber Spyglass by Philip Pullman. I'm sure as he releases another book in the future, the near future, hopefully, we will have another book to cover. However, until then, we'll let you know soon what our plan is for that extra week, that extra week of the month. I'm sure they'll have a plan
1: and it and it makes sense it's only fitting for us to have ended up ending in august because turns out i was uh browsing and i saw on the his dark material subreddit turns out lyra's birthday might actually be in august so oh my god she's a leo like you maybe or she could be a virgo depending on if she's later half of the month but she seems like true. she's more of a leo
0: <laughs> she could be like leo which but also in- anyways very interesting very interesting we don't have time for all of this right now <laughs> But if you listen to that last episode, maybe we will. You might have time for it. Yeah, we might have have time time then. Finally, the big moment, the last piece of housekeeping, the moment that many over at our patron discord have been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for. We're starting a new POV this September as we close out our prologues. It has been a winding road to get through these prologues because to go forward you must go back they say eliana i mean we really tortured some of our friends we have an entire investigative league at the discord that they have a little channel a sub channel a thread where they're just discussing who could be next they have their own spreadsheets trying to map out what the rest of the povs the end game of girl gone canon looks like Were any
1: of them right? Were they right? I mean... Yes and no, but first of all, I want to know, Zach, who do you think it is?
2: Oh. see, it's not in this
1: document, incidentally. Yeah, you don't know.
2: This is serendipitous, because I I literally IRL in real life for the uninitiated. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Just (laughs) caught up with you as the talks started with, you know, us podcast talking about collabing i have caught up from my initial from the start the first episode you released oh my god current
1: and so why did you do that
2: uh mainly because we were having chloe as a guest and it was a you know i wanted to be able to know your sort of Sense of humor, your guys is the way you, oh, you no. approach, yeah, right. You, the way you guys approach <laughs> things, and uh, sorry. and then I actually, for some reason, enjoyed what I heard and kept listening on and on and on. And then I was hooked. And now, so the POV Jeez, announcements are one of my favorite parts, and so I've been wondering about after the prologues. And I think because you had such so much fun teasing it. I've had a a certain Lannister in mind that I've been thinking it may be, but uh, that was just me, because you guys did cover a character of a same name, but a different genre. I believe it may have been a Patreon episode that was about Cersei, but the other Ah, Cersei And so that was my, that was where I was leaning, was that maybe it was time we start getting a little buck wild up in here and burning down some fucking towers, but, you know, I don't know. You're going to love our Discord, Zach. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. You're going to fit right in
0: with all of the they, them, gays, theys, ladies over there that are big Cersei fans. I'm like... We have a pro Cersei. Everyone's ready to burn shit down right now. I love her.
2: I love her. She just, she's, she's wiling out and I'm here for it. Every fucking step of the way. It's so funny you say that because
0: our patrons really thought it was going one way. Even so, Eliana wasn't in the last brunch happy hour. I did it solo and they wore me down. They were like, I think it's this. I think it's this. And a couple of them did guess right. And it was like, obviously right. And I, the last two brunches, even when Eliana was, before Eliana took a little leave, she she also was at one where they did this to me, actually. So for three months, I would say straight, you remember, they had my ass. I was sitting there, like my face, I don't turn red. I don't have enough blood supply for that. But like, I felt <laughs> like I was. I was like, oh my God, am I turning pink? They really thought it was going to go one way. But then... I stayed as silent as I could and really fucked with them psychologically for the past two months and fed them different things in private conversations and public conversations, so much so that by the end of this, as of this week right now, they think it's Tyrion Lannister. They think we're doing Tyrion Lannister next. They think today, 8 2022 as I, under God's good eye and with my two friends, talk that we're doing Tyrion next and we're not. We're not doing Tyrion at all. And I watched them break (laughs) each other apart. I watched them do full Google Sheets. And I watched them change their minds all because of the things I did and did not say to them. And in episodes. They thought it was going to be Tyrion. But Eliana, can you
1: tell our friend, Zach here, and everyone else who the next POV is? I just need to give also my take as I watch. Because you also were like, Eliana, are you seeing this? I'm like... They had it. They had it, and then they were like, "They had it." And then, you know, like let's say, you know, they're there. They're at the end of, you know, let's say there's like a soccer or a football game, <laughs> so depending on what side of the ocean you're at, right? They're like all the way down there. They're about to score the goal, right? They're about to make it. They like, just you're not in the fucking goal, all right? You, the goalie. I, the goalie. Neither of us are in the goal. And then they're like, "What if we just, what if we just turned around?" And then they just turn around, go all the way back down the field, and then they like fucking. To shoot the ball into their own net. All right, they shoot it into their own net. Anyway, so the next POV is Bran Stark. It makes sense, <laughs> honestly, everyone. It makes perfect sense. I mean, Tyrion also makes a lot of sense, but I was just like, yeah. Jesus, they they had it, they had it, <laughs> they
2: had I'm it. sorry, everyone. I'm it. sorry. I don't mean uh, to be
1: mean, but I love I love you all so much, which is why this is so <laughs> great for me to watch. I was like, what What's happening? what's happening it's hard playing god
0: it's so hard <laughs> playing god with these povs uh <laughs>
1: i'm so excited to cover brand i love it so I, much yeah i actually really am excited to cover brand we've got a couple of guests um that we're hoping uh can join us to, to talk about brand and you know, I've been looking forward I'm to starting brand for a long time. Sorry, I'm like crying a little as I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know it why is it's the funniest so thing that's happened
0: to me in like three months, you know? <laughs> that's probably the funniest, best thing that's oh happened to me in three months. I really got to <laughs> shout out to our patrons. Our Discord is something special. I'm in a lot of fan areas <laughs> online, but... Those discorders of ours, there's something beautiful, something wonderful, and I really can't wait for Hot D and the remaining nine POVs with them. Wow. Whoa. Nine remaining POVs. So, George, you better start your engine.
1: Yep. We're coming for you. Yep. The news is he's uh, about he is. to wrap up two viewpoints, maybe one or two viewpoints this week, mm-hmm. which is super exciting. It's just like us wrapping up a viewpoint. Could be oh one or two God. of our remaining. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: <gasps> Oh my god, he we're just like for George for real. For real, <laughs> oh for, real for real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't wait for T-Pop bestie. Oh my gosh, actually though, I'm kind really of
0: cute. <laughs> fucking Lady Stoneheart myself. Um, that was really probably more fun for me <laughs> than anyone else, but it was it felt good. I feel good. Thank you. Thank you both of you for this journey. Mm. And who had the best journey but Bran Stark, after mm. all? Mm. You know? <laughs>
2: why do you think i think
1: i think he's gonna have a good journey in the books all right he's not gonna Wow.
0: no i agree i do agree i mean he does have such a beautiful hero's journey and i am so excited to talk about it especially because this episode is the exact opposite of that right like it's like the nega brand it's like Mm -hmm. if brand goes down this path it's it's the euron journey it's so different and we're definitely going to talk more about brandon in this episode, suckers, <laughs> it's Bran. <laughs> I love Bran. Like, man, I'll mm-hmm. never forget when I told Eliana that was my like, my other fave POV besides Sansa, that Bran was up there, probably Asha, Bran, Kat, but Bran is like my second favorite POV or first, like, tied with Sansa. I don't know. I love them both. They're my children. So I just find it such an enriching, fantastical almost like not just fantastical but also there's some enriching like because it's from him and I know George feels weak about his character like he feels like he doesn't write him as strongly because of the age difference you know understanding that age I still feel like there's something really innocent and magical in that way as well Mm -hmm. about it so I think the way that Bran sees all of this magic enveloping everything that he's involved in I think that's really beautiful and I love the prose and everything about him I'm so excited ah ah Thanks. Thanks, Eliana, for letting me do brand next.
1: What do you mean? Let- we, Thanks, We Mom. came up with this order, like, four years ago. We have not. <laughs> D- I know, either. and, like, and thank no you letter. then,
0: too. But thank you then, too. Four <laughs> years ago. Thank you for letting me, four oh years ago, do this POV next. It's very special to me.
1: It is a wow. special POV, yeah. Speaking of uh, people who are special to us, our friend Warren sent us an email slash tweet of note In anticipation of the Varamir episode. And we are going to actually, you know, touch on some of these today. Warren said, obviously we can draw comparisons or possibilities from this prologue for Jon going into the Winds of Winter. But there are a couple of more thoughts that strike me too. Which maybe, maybe this should have also tipped (laughs) Warren. (laughs) Warren warren could uh let everyone bran is also facing into a bit of a change in the (laughs) winds of winter and some of the things he may face are addressed here too not just warging his wolf john and Arya are doing that too but the ideas george plays with of warging another human through Varamir could have ramifications in bran's arc particularly with regard to hodor i get more fascinated with bran on every reread And there's a taboo of cannibalism. I know I've joked before about Arya indulging in cannibalism via Nymeria and some mica mints, but obviously (laughs) the potential for Bran and Jojen paste exists, but also the possibility that he may, like Varamyr, consume human flesh while warging Summer.
0: So glad you guys are back in tandem again. The GGC episodes are a highlight of my week. Me too, Warren. Me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. It's like it's like a sign time that she has to talk to me. You know? (laughs) That's true.
1: (laughs) She can't ignore
0: me. Me me and me too. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Aw, it is beautiful. I love that. It's a good time to bond with someone you love about the stuff you like, right?
2: We get along. He's in my D &D and D campaign. For now until you kill him off. Right, exactly. Until I wanna become king.
0: Oh my god, Wow. why do you think Zach came all this way? He's loved. (laughs) (laughs) There's no lightning round this week, because we actually are going to explore all of Varamyr's history in this episode. I know we've seen him in the story, right, up until now in GGC. Canon, canon. Girls Gone Canon, canon. Is that? Anyways. The GGC machine, machine? I don't know. I don't know. But, um, we you know, we, we've seen him. We saw him before in some Johnny Johnny chapters. Uh, we see the effect of him on the plot so far, but now we're really getting deep within veramir Not in that way, but also that way.
2: <laughs> he's,
0: you know, he's not a nice guy. Uh, Eliana, you have a thought on Veramir?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, as you all know, we have an overview, right, of every chapter before we do it, and I wrote here, you know, he's just a guy who likes hanging out with animals just the guy yeah he's like a zookeeper but not at all
2: dr doolittle if you will
1: oh my god he's like oh. eliza thornberry
0: <laughs> no he is nothing <laughs> like eliza thornberry
1: <laughs> he doesn't
0: even have a hot sister <laughs> that's or so true we, With brother oh my to... god but donnie thornberry is Rickon. <laughs> oh my god sansa is eliza thorn no she debbie is debbie's eliza no, fuck, Aria anyways. Aria is Aria's
1: Eliza Thornberry.
0: Debbie is Sansa, and Eliza is Aria. Ned is, is Norbert?
1: Is Bran Darwin?
0: Yeah! <laughs> because of yes. the animal connection? <laughs> yes!
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> because Dottie's Rickin, I mean. And then, fuck those other guys. Right, no, they don't matter. No one cares about Robert John. They're dead anyway. <laughs> Both of them. Well. <sighs> you know, Varamyr... Was not meant to be a POV. He got a cute little birth. He gets a lot of births in this episode. God, he's brought to life. His first kiss actually came from George R.R. Martin, right? Because originally, there's a little book called A Feast for Crows. We talked about this last week, but Nate, I hope you guys have caught up. But A Feast for Crows, A Dance with Dragons, were married. They were were in tandem once again. Uh, And they were together, forged together. One book. But then they were broken apart, sadly, because, of you know, they, they didn't really fit in a book very well, because they were fucking huge. And also, it was a way to get the book out, you know, to the masses, to us hungry, hungry motherfuckers. So, Varamyr was not a POV in that book. That book had Pate. Patey, Pate, Pate. That was our POV in the prologue. So, there was no Varamyr prologue. So, by that math, this chapter, in my opinion, is very fitted to the book. hmm The last few POV chapters were very, like, just able to be enrichingly along all the land and learning where you are and exploring. You know, Pate walked up the cobblestones. He went from this place to this place. We saw everything in the Citadel, so George doesn't have to explain it as much in The Winds of Winter. You know, Chet let us explore a little bit there more in a place we kind of somewhat knew. We had, of course, the Dragonstone introduction where we got heaping piles of prose and environment and, you know, the Ranging Beyond the Wall. That was great to introduce us to that environment first, but now we've come back to the Haunted Forest with Varamyr, right? And this is very fitted to a lot of these central themes that Warren just spoke about in his email. Um, It's just a very fitted chapter, right? Like, you really don't have a lot of fat fat that you eat. There's some fat that gets eaten, actually. There's a lot of fat that gets eaten, but um, you don't have a lot of it. It's very lean. It fits well. I think it's a quick read, but a very deeply ghastly read yeah and it's interesting the forward back forward back the memories and the real uh we see georgie's that a lot in different characters like ned and reek and a couple other characters that have some intense flashbacks so i'm excited to jump into this with you all
1: so let's do it we start out with some sensory information of the night was rank with the smell of man i know that feeling the work stops and smells a bunch of stuff like plants people, and a bunch of animals, also death and rotting.
2: So, right off the bat, the vibe check here is this could be a brand chapter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you first grab this book, you could be like, oh, shit, we're starting with some brand organ, cool. And then, very quickly, you learn that, no, 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 no. Very different creature here, but I like what you guys were just saying about the prologue as a whole, because you're a hundred percent right in the to go forward. We have to go back. And that's what this prologue feels like is George took the time to say, let's, let's circle back around now. We, we haven't been North of the wall in a prologue since storm of swords with the fist. And so let's bring this back around and bring the others back to the forefront. But not only that, because we, I think this, and this is my hot take feast is the best book. This is the best prologue I think in out of all of them the very mere one. Interesting. Because of how well it sets up the themes of this book not just, and I think it gets overshadowed with everyone thinks you know Jon Snow it's setting up the second life and that's what the Jon Snow's resurrection we know old news. It's the other things that are much more interesting about it to me all the 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 Bran Stark like you mentioned there's some Euron imagery in here which is horrifying very much so even some danny stuff with the to go forward we have to go back and you just said back forth back forth with him thinking about yeah. his origin story and how mm-hmm. he wasn't he he was sort of like danny in the way he was given away and just shipped mm-hmm. off to hagen here you go now you're under someone and there's a lot of different allusions to all these characters and I think that's what just gets forgotten about this prologue is that George is never just making one point with a prologue it's not just the second life that's meant to be looked at here it is the fact that wargs can force things out of other animals uh, force other people out of other animals and there's so much here that very little of this chapter as you said feels like fat it all feels necessary to the vibe here which is horror again again yeah. we're we're back mm-hmm. to the horror vibes very quickly
0: it's very much a horror chapter and i'm not very much i respect horror i'm it's not for me usually i'm a little bitch but like it, it <laughs> i think horror is so much different than like a scary movie mm-hmm. too i, I mm. think there's so many yeah, different true aspects of it right there's the sensory of it all all five of the senses how are your senses being configured or changed or obstructed right Mm -hmm. uh how is it affecting you in that aspect and how you perceive the horror in the suspense suspense and thriller is often uh, a big proponent you know like keeping a, a human being anxious and waiting that is a that's a way to really push someone to their limit emotionally so i love that idea of George coming back to this because he's such an avid horror writer mm. and him bringing these elements of it it's kind of mastercraft of it right like he's shown this is some of his mastery that he's, he's able to do so this so good at it yeah
2: mm-hmm. uh the the house of uh, the undying is one of yeah. his best chapters yeah. ever True. and Nate, Nate and I said it uh, on ours that the show fucked it up by not making yes. that a horror sequence because of yeah. how Danny's literally being chased by something that's shuffling after her, and it's it's it gives me goosebumps to this day. It's just horrifying. The Fist of the First Men. Horrifying. It's but it's a mastercraft of a chapter because George does this building of suspense, this slow, here's a man who who's about to have nothing left to lose at all in the world and throw him in the middle of a literal zombie apocalypse and let's see how dark we can fucking get here cause like there ain't no M rating on this book like he's free to do as he wants so and he, he goes buck wild with this prologue
0: it's kind of fun too
2: when there's nothing to
0: lose right like you, he knows he can dispose of this character he knows that it's like not important what happens to Veramir to any of us if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not important what happens to Varimir, So he can actually play with it sandbox style, like Fire and Blood, like some of these outer pieces he's created or lended his brain to. Um, he could explore those things without repercussion in his book or heavy repercussion. Like, Varimir's death in this story, the way he writes it has such heavy implication for the plot. But he could have just killed Varimir in a battle at the fist or something and no one would have blinked. It's not an important thing.
2: We almost think he's dead at the end of Storm, with John yeah. seeing him get burned out of mm-hmm. the the eagle, because John is standing right next to him. Varamir is told to guard John and Val. And John tries to go for the the horn of winter, and the shadow cat gets in front of him, and he's like, "Oh shit, that shadow cat's fucking hot. I wish I had one." And, <laughs> and then Veramir starts grabbing his head, and he's like, "Oh fuck me, this hurts." And he he falls, and John's like, "Oh, that sucks to suck, I guess." And like that's it, like no more of Veramir. And so you could be forgiven for thinking, yeah, no, he died there. Like he got his brain burned out for some weird reason that we don't understand, and that's off page. And then George. I think brilliantly saw like a, no, like we can, now I need, I need a character for this prologue. Let me bring him back and and kill him on page, but in a useful way that tells things that I'm going to need to set up for future books or for the end of this book and beyond. Especially coming right off a feast with the big broken man themes of feast, we start with a literal... A literal broken man from a literal broken army, running. They're still. This is them fleeing Stannis still, and it's that they turned and broke, and they're they're off. And the desperation here rings so true.
1: That's such a great point that, I mean, yeah, Varamyr absolutely is one of the broken men that we see, especially in everything that uh, is used to describe what broken men are like. And in regards to that horror movie aspect, obviously, you know, the chapter very much follows a lot of those those elements. I don't actually watch any horror movies because I'm very soft. And... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, absolutely, the, the the chapter ends quite horrifically. But, you know, to to be like that, though, like, the monster... Sure, yeah, it's the Others and the Whites. But really, because we're not getting this from Thistle's POV, the POV chapter is the monster. Viramir is the horror monster, is the serial killer, who I guess keeps serially getting killed, too. But anyway. (laughs) You're right. And it's
0: great coming off of, you know, in, in thinking of that same byline, that the books have been split now, even though they were once one. If the book was still one, and if this was the prologue POV instead of Pate, The last chapter would have been Lady Stoneheart, right? Bringing kind of that idea of undead rising Mm. right back to the forefront, which would have been an interesting link to have these be side by side. I did read those chapters together just to kind of think about them and the worminess of it all, right? Uh, The flesh had gone pudding soft in the water and turned the color curdled milk. Half her hair was gone, the rest turned as white and brittle as the crones. Beneath her ravaged scalp, her face was shredded skin and black blood where she raked herself with her nails. But her eyes were the most terrible thing. Her eyes saw him and they hated. Not unlike the transformation later for him. Right? As he sees the white that was his lover? Ish? You know, ish? I don't know how I want to classify that relationship moving on, glossing over this. It- this chapter is great because it's like an intro to magic, an intro to skin changing, an intro to warging, a history 101, right? The ethics, the traditions, or the ethics lack thereof ethics. All these things are deeply embedded into skin changing and that hunger and consumption. And we get that line next of, A man alone was a feeble thing, big and strong, with good sharp eyes, but dull of ear and deaf to smells, which goes so well with... Even the overarching theme of dragons in this book, in what Master of Dragons is. Like, Master... That's like... Dragons are OP. Like, they're like, that's an OP class of having some sort of creature on your side. Omega, fucking beasts. Um, But Quentin, end of the book, he's merely a man in front of those dragons, right? He doesn't... He stands in front of the dragon and says, oh, he's a feeble thing. He can have sharp eyes. He can have, you know, good senses, but... He could not dance with dragons.
1: And he did not clearly have very good senses. Or else he would have had the sense to not do what he did.
0: Look, I like both (laughs) Nate and Zach, but Nate would get burnt by a dragon before Zach would, I think. Fascinating. Because Zach- I'd be fucking out. Nate would be like, ooh, this could be fun. He'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, what if I'm the only man that ever lived against I, dragons? I,
2: I have the drop of dragon blood. I'll do it. He would. He would. <laughs> yeah, but you uh-huh. would
0: be like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that shit. I would die, motherfucker. I would mm-hmm. die if I stood in front of that. Like, you know, sensible. Nate's over here like, I could write a theory about it after.
2: Mm-hmm. hmm Nah. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So that's my question then for uh, for you two is, is are we equating wargs on a side then to the, the similar a power of dragons or or maybe a step so. down but it is a one of those powerful chess pieces to have it's a mm-hmm. you know it, it's a bishop it can it can move all the way across the board and dragon's warging seems to be the two fundamental magic powers that were the green sight the warging and the dragons that are circling each other in this <laughs> dance that we're doing <laughs> and, ah. and so our wargs unequal but opposite power to the dragons, and it, it seems like that could be what this chapter is starting to also allude at, is that men can't stand up to dragons, and they also can't seem to stand up to wargs either, if the wargs really are are after it, are are hungry for it, and so it <laughs> seems like it could be an equating.
0: There's something interesting in, like, so, Danny has that in innate sense that she has to separate herself from her dragons because she seems to be finding herself connecting so hard with her dragons and becoming uh more lateral to them than human beings, right, mm-hmm. understanding more like why shouldn't they fucking eat everyone? Good for them, have fun, dragons babies a more yeah, You're exactly. doing amazing, sweeties. Yeah. you are doing amazing. <laughs> And that's the same hunger that we're seeing equated here, right? Uh, You could stay forever, a thousand years inside of your mouth that you choose. (laughs) And even here with with the wolves and with Bran and Bran 1, I read Bran 1 to kind of get into this feeling-wise, and you could stay in summer for years. It's easier, and it's so easy to let yourself slip in that dichotomy and that conflict between, like, who am I and what should I be choosing and how am I supposed to be ruling and leading? Mm -hmm. That's really hard, and it's, like, We see the Starks right now actually descending into, like, keeping to their wolves, right? As much as they can. Sansa never got that chance, obviously. Mm -hmm. Arya had to reject her wolf as well in order to go, you know, leave and be safe and let her be safe and then go east. Rickon's with his. um, Bran is ever so much with his. And John is even more so, I would say. And uh, Rip to Greywind. But... Uh, it's sad because we're seeing them cling to it, and we're seeing that conflict magically kind of arise within them. Where Danny is having to kind of, until dance, shelve them, and she's letting it free too, and kind of a uh, yoloing, one could say, <laughs> hugor hilling, one could say, even <laughs> Yalo.
1: <laughs> hey, Hey. Hey. Ah. hey. nice, nice, well done. <sighs> Thanks. But you know, when it comes to all of the skin changing stuff, we see that wargs, you know, specifically the the wolves that are wargs can change by humans wargs don't fear men the wolves do uh and so this wolf warg calls to his brother and sister his brother at the moment only has one eye they're gonna go hunt now and they near the prey and then they hear swords and spears it's a pack of humans with a wee bab and they are dangerous because of their weapons and their fear so the ward commands the wolf, um, the order in which, like, they should attack all these humans, and to go for the men first, and then, you know, the humans attack, and then so do the wolves, who win and feast on the people's meat, and they savor the baby on the, like, now pink snow.
2: Leagues away, in a one-room hut of mud and straw, with a thatched roof and a smoke hole and a floor of hard-packed earth, Veramir shivered and coughed and licked his lips. His eyes were red, his lips cracked. His throat dry and parched, but the taste of blood and fat filled his mouth, even as his swollen belly cried for nourishment. A child's flesh, he thought, remembering Bump, human meat. Had he sunk so low as to hunger after human meat? He could almost hear Hagen growling at him. Men may eat the flesh of beasts and beasts the flesh of men, but the man who eats the flesh of man is an abomination. Abomination. That had always been Hagen's favorite word. Abomination, abomination, abomination. To eat of human meat was abomination. To mate as wolf with wolf was abomination. And to seize the body of another man was the worst abomination of all. Abranination? Abramination. Abomination. 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 Oh, God. oh God. wait, hope. Hashtag
1: hope. Oh, God. It was 08 when that a happened.
2: So it's interesting here, because Varamyr thinks of the scent when we first jump in, where he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I smell seal and wolf, and those are human smells as well, because only, and he says specifically, only man stripped the skins from other beasts and wore their mm. hides and hair, which is real fucking hypocritical coming from someone who literally slips skins and, and dives in, and so... Then I got real deep into it, because I was coming here, and Nate was here, (laughs) and I have to be better than Nate, so I started looking into wargs just, you know, in mythology, and I ended up breaking down, because the word warg originates from the old Norse word of varir, which is a wolf. Oh. But varir. There it is. Oh, okay,
1: okay, okay. Damn. Right.
2: Right. He went cannon, motherfuckers. Damn. Varir, however, derives from a Germanic root, which can be reconstructed as wargaz. Wargaz can be taken to mean either outlaw or criminal, or wolf, which is just real interesting in his sort of almost on-the-lam feel that Varamyr has here as he's fleeing through the haunted woods. But take that even deeper, and wargaz can be derived from a Proto-Indo-European root reconstructed as werg. Which simply just means destroy. And that's what we see Varamir doing. Almost his entire run is just destroying everything that he interacts with. And it makes me wonder if that's not what all wargs do, is just destroy. And we, especially, you know, going into the Abomination, and, I mean, we get this quote here that we just, I just read, is the highlights of, of this chapter and the things that Hagen taught him and why an abomination is so closely tied with Bran, in my mind, because that's the route he may be taking. And it's just interesting here that warg, the 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 word broken down to its one of its roots, can just mean simply destroy. And I, I don't know if maybe that was in Martin's mind when he started making wargs as this sort of... Very powerful magical entity in his world, but maybe they're not as good as like the Stark implication makes them out to be. A word. Oh,
0: a word. Oh, word.
1: Oh, word. Oh, word. Sorry, Sorry I, couldn't, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is
0: Eliana's first reaction. Is how can I'm always I... like a word. To <laughs> a word.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: that's crazy that Vermeer's name is literally in that. That's yeah. not, not that's really crazy. A- and I think we're definitely seeing that like Ward can go down the total bad avenue. Like you right. can go too deep and then it makes it so sad because what's the point of having this magical connection and not being able to imbue yourself into it and not be able to exercise it and use it as much and like, you know, great power, great responsibility, all that bullshit. Right. Yeah very interesting and we're definitely seeing this is the dark route right. this, is yes. this is bad <sighs> yeah um, and we're seeing Bran especially in Bran 1 we're seeing him play with that
1: mm-hmm. we're yeah seeing him play with that. that's really great and I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering but I didn't bother looking at it I was like where does the damn villain come from <laughs> so perfectly done that's why we invited Zach. Yeah. to be honest
2: I got right, you yeah, you know, I, mean, I bring him
1: we knew where the name Pate came from, right? It we, we picked it because specifically Nate gave his name to that, right? It rhymes because...
2: <laughs> It rhymes with Pate. He's Pate he's Nate exactly. the Pete boy now.
1: Exactly. Uh uh-huh. George named it for him, um, mm-hmm. knowing that we would cover this one day. And <laughs> so <laughs> I yeah. Next, you know, coming back to uh, how does Viramir become this sort of person, right? Who mostly destroys, etc. We we see his past. He thinks of Hagen again more, his former teacher. He sees Hagen as very weak and afraid of power as he remembers defeating Hagen's second life. And it was at that time that he learned the taste of human meat. Not that, you know, he'd ever eat a human as a human, but only when he's like role-playing as a wolf. I love that George is like, how do I get wild in this chapter?
0: Like, I know, let's just eat babies. Right? Yeah. He's like, how can I be volatile? Um, and it is volatile. It's mm-hmm. a little wild, Georgie. Something that's great. Of course, I was reading brand one, which we won't get to for a couple of months but in a couple months you could hear us talk about Bran 1 and A Dance with Dragons.
1: <laughs> yeah, Less months than some people thought, actually, if you think about it. Well, it's yeah. not
2: Tyrion Lannister next. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not. It's
0: really not, <laughs> not. Sorry, Zach. Sorry. You know, the Night's Watch deserters and, and everything, even in quote, this, this above passage, you know, it really <laughs> reminds me of Bran 1 and A Dance with Dragons. Like you said at the top, Zach, any of this could be a Bran chapter. The straight up mm-hmm. reads like one. So, I'll read you a few snippets. Long leagues away, the boy stirred uneasily, black nightswatch they were night swatch. The direwolf wolf did not care. They were meat. he was hungry, leagues away, long leagues away, starts exactly the same as mm. we come back to a little bit of what Brand's experiencing. Blood flowed thick and sluggish from the slash across his throat. The wolf lapped at it with his tongue, licked the ragged, eyeless ruin of his nose and cheeks, then buried his muzzle and neck and tore it open, gulping down a goblet of sweet meat. No flesh had ever tasted half as good. A child's flesh, he thought, right? Remembering Bump. Human. Meat.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think it's not human meat, good. but you know,
0: the similar yeah. the slimmer No, I don't know. I feel like we'd be really kind of it. Eh.
1: We're like less good pork. <laughs> anyway.
0: When Bran comes back, falling snow and feasting wolves began to dim. Warmth beat against his face, comforting as a mother's kisses. Fire, he thought. Smoke. That's interesting, right? Interesting. That that magic reminds him of fire and smoke after he's been dining on the copper of the blood. Um, I was thinking kiss Makes you think blood. of blood magic Oh yeah. that too mm-hmm. Mother's makes you think kisses of blood magic. Fire Mother's yeah. kisses Fire Yeah rebirth Death and rebirth And of mm. course uh, You know I love the His eyes were red His lips cracked His throat dry And parched Even though he imbibes In another life And then there's this This little bit This one is like Red flag first of all <laughs> Rand, You're grounded You're absolutely grounded <laughs> Yes <laughs> Yes They they were his now. They were pack. No, the boy whispered. We have another pack. Lady's dead. And maybe Graywind too. But somewhere there's still Shaggy Dog and Nemeria and Ghost. Remember Ghost? <laughs> Sorry, I have to cry for a second. <clears throat> I'm pulling myself hurtful. back together. I'm in pain. Everything hurts. I love my son. <laughs> this is great pulling in, um, I don't know, I mean, this passage... Completely matches some of A Dance of Dragons one for Bran as well. The pull between leading his new pack, maybe even a bigger metaphor for leading a whole nation, also, versus staying human, Bran the boy, staying with his Stark family. I, I just felt like such a pull between these two and some of what you can see that Bran's character has to kind of suffer between of like, I could go back to my wolf brothers and sister. But I could stay in summer right now and eat mm-hmm. motherfuckers, which also tastes delicious. And yeah. it also brings up some of those cannibalism vibes, right? I know, Eliana, you're going to be all over this. This is your, your thing. Eliana is actually a um, professional cannibalism analyst. Analyst? 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 An- anal.
1: Eliana does I, I, I cannibalism was... an anal. How- I wasn't sure if you were gonna like tell people I'm a professional cannibal. I was like, that is not true. That's what I thought too. And <laughs> I, was I was like,
2: oh wow. Where wow. is this
1: going? What's worse, professional cannibal or
0: professional what? anal? Actual I guess cannibal, professional cannibal, Shia LaBeouf. Cannibal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Army
1: hammer. Oh um, my god. Oh my god. Uh, so the uh, wolves
0: need to eat too. Is how Veramir really justifies all of this, right? And people would die anyways. People die in the north, and he thinks. They would have perished soon in any case from exposure or starvation. This way was better, quicker, a mercy. So, of course, I'm brought back to Stannis' village, right, with, with the cannibals going on there as people die and they're hungry. And they're like, well, may as well eat my dude over here. Um, They resort to cannibalism. They're burnt for the crime, though they didn't really kill anyone. They just ate another soldier, so, legally, I think they were good, but Asha, of course, suspects there are many other cannibals in the camp that haven't yet been caught. So, more to come in the Winds of Winter.
1: Yeah. Bad times all around for for those people. And there is, I mean, there's just great language in this chapter, right? You were talking about how everything's, like, really tight, very meaningful, and because of that... um, A lot of stuff carries double meanings. Like I feel, you know, there's this line earlier where they they describe the trees as having teeth, and I think that really sets the tone, right? That imagery gives that again horror movie aspect that you're talking about. It um, from the very few horror scenes that I've ever watched, and it gives this tone of hunger and consumption to this chapter. And it it also reminds us a little bit of the faces on the weirwood trees because that is a big part of what's going on here in the north, and we're gonna see one in a bit. Hmm pirmere repeats a mercy aloud and nears the fire, wounded Thistle had warned him that that might happen. She's a hardened spearwife, his last companion, uh, because no one wants to be his friend. The rest deserted or fell behind or went who knows where. Not that Varamir gives a fuck. He regrets not skin changing one of those people and taking one anyway. Afraid someone would notice. That's why you have no friends. And Hagen's words haunted him. But mostly he was afraid that he would get killed. Which, uh, that's his trauma speaking. And they had been fleeing the carnage at the wall. Lots of talk, but mostly aimless. They'd escaped the watch only to die to cold Sickness, starvation, or each other. Their leaders are all dead or captured. Thistle claims and mourns. Well, except for Varamyr, whom she doesn't recognize because he's actually not that famous.
2: Well? Without his beasts, he did not look like a great man. I was six skins who broke bread with Mance Raider. He had named himself Veramir when he was ten. A name fit for a lord. A name for songs a mighty name and fearsome. Yet he had run from the crows like a frightened rabbit. The terrible Lord Verimir had gone craven, but he could not bear that she should know that. So he told the spearwife that his name was Hagen. Afterward, he wondered why that name had come to his lips of all those he might have chosen. I ate his heart and drank his blood, and still he haunts me.
0: Oh my god, I love that so much, though.
1: Yeah.
2: It's not I like, not, not a good look, though.
0: Yeah. I really love that. It's, a, it's something kind of dark, right? Like, all right, that's the person that I blame all of my life on, so why not just put my sins upon them? I love that. Mm. Dark, very dark. And he starts to remember all the people telling them where to go with conflicting ideas, like Mother Mole leading people to the sea And he thinks he's too weak to go with them, knows he'd never see the sea, and his true death is soon. He got stabbed for a squirrel-skin cloak scavenged from a woman who died at the wall. He'd been injured from the battle at the wall, fleeing, and had lost all of his stuff, even the golden arm rings he got from Mance. Oh no. He's ashamed at running, but it was survival, so he stole the cloak, and then he was stabbed by a hiding boy the dead woman's son. Oh my god, it's Ali from Game of Thrones. Oh <laughs> she my died god. at the hands
2: of other free folk, the Hornfoot men. So we we talked earlier about how this this prologue serves to set up many, many things. This is one of my favorite setups, and it's one of the, I think, I've missed it almost every single time, is that Varamyr was stabbed by a wee little baby and Sir Kevin's yeah. going to go the same way at the oh, end of the book, oh boy. and so it, it is a literal—you know they're, they're, their lives are taken the same way, essentially, and in an almost similar sort of vibe. Because if you'll indulge me for just a second, one of you made the point that the eyes of others and whites are often referenced as stars, which we'll talk about later. But mm. uh, just just this little blip from Storm is the sound was shocking ear-piercing and thick with agony veramir fell writhing and the cat was screaming too and high high in the eastern sky against the wall of cloud john saw the eagle burning for a heartbeat it flamed brighter than a star wreathed in red and gold and orange mm-hmm. its wings beating wildly at the air as if it could still fly from the pain higher and higher and higher it flew still and so it's that very similar. There's a consumption here that mm-hmm. occurred. up uh, up uh, uh, did a part of him of die? Life, yeah, right. And it's uh, yeah. somebody also. One of you made the note of our friend Beric, my lord Beric, and that uh, the similar many deaths that he uh, is very mere losing a little bit of himself each time here, and at mm-hmm. the end, he's willing to do the terrible, terrible thing that we see. But. Uh, yeah, I just, I really like the, the fact that he, he goes out like Kevin and like just gets shanked by a kid. No, don't touch my mom's shit, yo.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like
2: Ashtray from Euphoria. <laughs> oh
1: my god. Oh my gosh. That's who he was.
0: <sighs> and that I mean, kid was Ashtray.
1: I thought it was Ollie. Wow. Which HBO's child is this, Chloe?
0: <laughs> corporate wanted me to find a difference. They're the, uh, <laughs> they're the same picture. They're uh, the
1: same picture. Except I actually liked Ashtray, and I did not like Ollie. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Nothing, it's not that's Ollie's, Ollie's fault. Actor. It was about the writing. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Those are some interesting ideas that are going on there, and really kind of, I wonder how that'll, if that'll come back with the dragons and stuff, too, that higher and higher and... But obviously the mm. dying, I, I mean, I'm sure dying fucks with your head, right? George is always really about that, and... <laughs> I'm sure... <laughs> i mean probably probably maybe in regards to consumption right like and and back to this idea of cannibalism we have this bloodbath that's at the wall and the enemies on all sides which of course is a warning of what's to come in the winds of winter and a dream of spring with the chaos and people like breaking and running against you know enemies but that carnage after, you know, the factions, they turn on one another with the loss of their leaders. It's it's actually very much like something we've already seen happen in Westeros with a clash of kings. You know, there was that whole war, you know, the War of the Five Kings, allegedly, and you know, the idea of them being doomed and everything falling apart after the guy holding it all together uh, dies. It's also a little bit like the splintering of the northern forces, right? After Rob's death mm-hmm. and them turning on one another, mostly because of Roose Bolton's fault, whatever. Um, or even some of the southern armies after Renly's death, or even we see it happen to Drogo's Kolisar when he dies. It, it it happens a lot. This is something that is a point that's being made about leadership. And you also have Thistle explaining that the woman died not at the hands of Stannis' knights, Nora of the Night's Watch, and that's important, right, to that motif of cannibalism. It was the Hornfoot men, allegedly kind of one of their own amongst the free folk. They're on the same side as the woman, you know, of the same peoples that killed this woman. And so they're feeding on the deaths of their own now, just as Varamir is doing so, right, as he tries to take that, take the cloak, which, by the way, is also animal skin. yeah.
0: Very broken man, like Zach was saying. Like, it really does feed into like, this is after you break from battle, this is how people survive. They're in Mm. survivor mode. And realistically, like, he kind of made the wrong or the right choice by not going with Mother Mole, right? Because the odds were not great, but he died all the same, right? So I didn't have a better option for Varamir, kind of a toss up. This is actually the very first, like, big reference of Mother Mole in the series, by the way. Uh, we're sitting here knowing all about her, but this is our first read. We'd go, who, who the fuck are you talking about? We would forget all about her. She becomes such a cop, a topic of contention amongst the watch in John Snow chapters in seven and 13. She's very prominently featured actually. Um, and we know that she and the free folk are barely surviving out East. So John starts to arm the night's watch to assist and help. Now that we are, you know, marrying in the night's watch with the free folk. He plans to send further supplies and resources to help relieve them. And in a way, Mother Mole's appearance in John's plot plays almost a similar bookend appearance to Miriam Azdor in Mm. Danny's plot. John, a little more indirectly, right? We don't actually have her talking to John. But it offers conflict in having the Night's Watch send resources to aid the free folk who just so happens John is already kind of overextending himself in the eyes of all of his brothers when it comes to Stannis and the free folk. And it kind of leads to his imminent death, right, where Miriam Asdor plays wow. a, a role in Drogo's death in some aspects, but Danny plays a bigger one, I suppose is the the lesson that's learned, is what Miriam Azdor says
2: the lesson is learned.
1: I think it's don't smear mud in your wound, but you know wound? I'm
2: not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Seek medical treatment maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean we should learn that through the pandemic by now. Uh, we should learn a lot of things from the pandemic. We haven't. Uh, amen. Mother Mole is also interesting because she uh, you know, Heart Home continues those horror vibes. We get that yeah. terrifying fucking letter which is, you know, dead things in the water, dead things, like, ugh. So it's (laughs) that through line again of... These poor wildlings are just <laughs> fucked. No matter where they mm, go, there is true. no good option. And I think that's – Chloe, you had mentioned it of, you know, if he didn't go with Mother Mole, he still dies. There is no, – like, because they're talking about going up to Thens in the Frostfangs, and they're like, why the fuck would you go there when they're all leaving anyway? It's – there is no option because that's where the, the the dead are coming from, and it's it's horrible. They're like, let these – just let these people south, please. Like, they're people. Just let them south. Thistle is a real, a real interesting little, little spearwife here. Cause where does she come from? Out of fucking nowhere, which is pretty cool. And uh, I have more to say here in a bit on her, but it's just, it's real. Martin's real good in this prologue about making, uh, again, knowing I think a little bit more where dance was going, having to split the books. He's real good about starting these threads of mother mole and and getting the hard home little tidbit out there so that that's somewhere in the reader's subconscious when you know john eventually is like oh yeah hard home we'll we'll start interacting there and you're like i've heard about that but i there was some mole hill or something i don't know it was cool and so it's it's just brilliant the way he's you forget about it Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when it comes back up it's like oh shit right right mother mole i heard that name before and you actually have to literally reopen your book like a nerd I love that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've all done it. We've all done it. Vermeer thinks they're all doomed with Mance dead, including the Watch. Everyone's south of the Wall because the enemy was coming. Hagen's rough voice echoed in his head. You'll die a dozen deaths, boy, and everyone'll hurt. But when your true death comes, you'll live again. The second life is simpler and sweeter, they say. Thank you. That was inspired. I was thinking of like several packs of cigarettes a day. That's all I could figure out for Hagen. His death is coming soon, Veramio feels. ha, <laughs> <laughs> buddy. Uh, his last death had been by fire inside and we get a montage of all the different times he's died, which Eliana assumes is like the trailer to the Shrek spinoff, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Eliana, do you have more to say about that? Or was that uh, it about that one?
1: That, that's all I had to say about that trailer. Okay, um, I've only good, watched good, the trailer. Good. I've not watched the movie. Sorry. I, um... Me either. I haven't kept hmm. up with the with the Shrek i p and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as much as I reference Shrek a lot, right? like because it is a classic, but I haven't I just haven't kept up, you know uh, the the later ones aren't they're not they're not as much of a i think foundational piece as the one original. and two exactly, yeah. exactly
2: two as Jamie Lannister in it and a fucking. I need a hero, like, badass segment of, like, amazingness, so... They went big, and then Mm -hmm. track three, what happened? Corporate sellouts. Right, right, of course. Never go to the third! You never. Exactly.
1: That's how we ended up with Puss in Boots to Last Wish, but... (laughs) 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 We do get an interesting tidbit here that, like, the immense pain of the fire, et cetera, and and in general, right, seems to push someone out of the body that they're skin changing, which seems important considering that's how we see Thistle end up ejecting Varamyr in a bit. Oh, that's a good point.
2: That's a great point to kind of bring up uh, Thistle here because George was particular about naming this particular character, I believe, because Thistle is actually a common name for a group of plants that are, they seed. They have lots of seeds. But the main thing that they're named for is... They have leaves with sharp prickles. Now, these prickles can occur all over the plant, but mm. the only point they serve is to prevent them from being eaten by herbiv- herbivores hmm. or being being consumed. Hmm. And so Thistle is one of the few people we see to reject someone out of taking over their body. She literally is pricking the fuck out of <laughs> Th- Varamyr when he jumps in, and... This was a rabbit hole, so bear with me here. There's a whole story in Scottish kingdom lore of a, an army, and they were trying to attack at night, and a guard ended up stepping on a thistle and gave away his position because it fucking hurt. And mm. from that, this whole order was established, the Scottish Order of the Thistle, and they have a motto, which is Nemo me impune lesset, which means no one provokes me with impunity, or later, there is a bastardized version of that, which is no one can harm me unpunished. Ooh. And that's exactly what we see at the end of this, is Varamyr suffers for trying to jump into Thistle, and it is graphic, and very much so I think George intended that to be, that Thistle appears, even though Varamyr contradicts himself and says she's a badass-looking wife; she's a tough little thing, but then he's like, oh no, I'll, I'll take her real easy, and it doesn't end up being an easy fight at all, and I think that is inherent in the name of Thistle, and I just very much so like that, because justice for fucking Thistle.
1: Amen. It's for real, either. though. Yeah. She cared for this man, and then he- She tried to help,
2: and yeah. he doesn't deserve the help.
0: Varamyr deserves no rights. None, whatsoever. Now, <sighs> the first time Varamyr died was at six for his father's axe, but the fire was the worst- Maddening, and of course very much Beric vibes, right? Yes. Your lord, Beric, Zach uh, With as mm-hmm, many deaths, mm-hmm. especially after Catalan's revival And it brings me back to that passage That even brave men blind themselves When they're afraid to see How many times have you brought me back now? It's for lore who brings you back The lord of light, I'm only his instrument How many times? Six And each time harder You've grown reckless Is death so very sweet? <sighs> so good so many barrack vibes, and the fire's out, so Varamyr tries to start it again, uh, kind of a small prayer he gives to the nameless gods, and he gets no answer, of course, and no fire, either, which really fucking sucks. So Varamyr tries to call Thistle for help. We get this take on how ugly she is and his regrets at not skin changing her. She's been gone a while, good for her, two to three days getting food, and he wonders if she saw through him. Only- Varamyr has a some abandonment issues apparently and Thistle is just the latest because his mother abandoned him crying for his brother Bump. We're gonna find out why she's crying for his brother Bump though which also might explain why his abandonment issues are kinda weird. Oh, just yeah. before his dad violently kicked him out again nah, to live with Hagen and other skin changers. Hagen taught him how to hunt, fish, butcher, survive, and how to work in skin change though he was stronger. By that time as Eliana has written to give credit to the one true writer here, the artist formerly known as Lump by the presidents of the United States of America band, <laughs> who's in your head, went back home triumphantly. His parents were dead, returned to the earth.
1: Yeah, get lump a therapist, you know
0: um a lot of things at this point lump is lump's wild and out literally literally, literally wilding out.
2: Lump, he's lump. I also, I also think it's real interesting that Hagen, Hagen is the the, the alternate that we get to Bloodraven, and
0: mm. yeah, there
2: the, and the way their teachings differ because Bloodraven, as we know, will be introduced in this book because Bran Stark was absent at feast, and <laughs> we also get we get the one of my favorite chapters of the series, which is the the cycles of the moon where Bran spends the entire month mm. doing stuff, and we get that passage of time by the moon and right the montage and that's where he's learning stuff and then in the very first chapter of that book we've got hagen here who some of his lessons seem a little odd a little a little weird to me but also i like that there's just a a group of wargs that like all wildlings know how to contact and like they know their little secret hippie commune in the woods that they can just go to and be like here take our kid because he's doing stuff That's weird, and, like, it's just an (laughs) interesting... Like, where is this group of wargs, and are they, like, still chilling around, or is this just they've all died out because that's what they do, or is there still just a sect of wargs somewhere out there that's like, hey, we're fucking awesome, and we're doing our thing? It's just an interesting point that George is throwing out there, that there are people who know a, a set of laws or restrictions or guidelines of morality in this warging and who who laid that down is that from the children of the forest themselves or is that something that First goes even or right
0: who
1: yeah yeah they're like they're a little mini society right they're a subculture of they're kind of the outcast right in a way that it it reminds me a little of like the society that we see some of the performers the mummers have and they have their codes honestly Hagen seems like a pretty decent mentor passing i mean teaches him how to hunt fish butcher survive and like again teaches lump these rules but interestingly brand's getting none of brand's not getting any of this tutelage and it's
0: funny because the next passage it shows up it has some quotes that like this could just be a brand or a john chapter right in their advanced learning area lump you know he he thinks lump didn't want to be a clod of earth again very could have started that for a brand chapter that he had dreamed of a day when bards would sing of his deeds and pretty girls would kiss him. When I'm grown, I'll be the king beyond the wall. Lump promised himself, and eventually, you know, he becomes very mere six skins with as many animals. Men fear him. He has a snow bear, 13 feet tall, three wolves, a shadow cat, and he sits at the right hand of Mance Raider and says, It was Mance who brought me to this place. I shouldn't have listened. I should have slipped in my bear and torn him to pieces.
2: <laughs> Boo. Before Mance, Vermeer Sixkins had been a lord of sorts. He lived alone in a hall of moss and mud and hewn logs that had once been haggins, attended by his beasts. A dozen villages did him homage in bread and salt and cider, offering him fruit from their orchards and vegetables from their gardens. His meat he got himself. Whenever he desired a woman, he sent his shadow cat to stalk her, and whatever girl he'd cast his eye upon would follow meekly to his bed. Some came weeping, aye, but still they came. Verimir gave them his seed, took a hank of their hair to remember them by, and sent them back. From time to time, some village hero would come with spear in hand to slay the beastling and save a sister or a lover or a daughter. Those he killed, but he never harmed the women. Some he even blessed with children. Runts, small, puny things like lump, and not one with the gift. But at least he has the gift. And I do love, like, the effect of power
0: in names, right? Because we see that with Arya taking different names and monikers and faces. Euron going as the crow's eye. Bran becoming the three-eyed crow, maybe. Uh, Daenerys as Khaleesi, or embracing Daenerys Stormborn or any of the other titles you could possibly apply to her. Jon as whatever Targaryen name you think it might be. There's also something interesting in, like, taking that identity and burying the tasks and the, the crimes that you've committed onto the, an identity, right? Like, the Vulture King and the Vulture King 2.0. Mm-hmm. In Fire and Blood, we see the second Vulture King in the first, even. They're just pathetic, right? Like, they're just weak men. Like you said earlier, weak men. Um, mm-hmm. But the atrocities they committed were by that badass name and under that moniker and not the actual person. There's a
2: lot of that for the Winds a winner to come, I feel like. And speaking to the weak men, he's he's talking about Mance. He should have torn him to pieces. Wouldn't the smart move if you can do it, wouldn't the smart move be to jump Mance's bones and become a king? Like, you know, uh-huh. why why aim low and kill him? Why and and then you know you're you're an enemy of the fucking state. No wildling within, you know, existence is going to trust you or or aid you. So why not jump Mance's bones, take a couple weeks to, like, get used to, like, the shimmy shake, and then, you know, you're the fucking king beyond the wall, what's up? And instead, his thought goes to, oh, I should have jumped into my bear who fucking hates me, BT-dubs, and, like, wants me dead so that I can rip Mance Raider apart, which just shows his... His this is just not-
0: like what a luminary on the podcast said last week if only pate was a smarter little finger
2: oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> i think i t- i think oh i tuned God. that one out chloe i don't know i, I don't to, i don't, don't
1: think make some lump bump drama happen here <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it's a reality <laughs> show at girls gone
1: canon guys come on no but that's actually a great idea though because i but it's also interesting right because he's he does. He like idolizes Mance, right? In the way that it, it mm-hmm. actually really reminds me of how Stannis feels about Robert to some extent, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and like he wants Ma- He he wants to be Mance, but also maybe like first of all, he wasn't willing to cross the taboo yet. But if he were to be Mance, then Mance couldn't give him the pat pat recognition that he so dearly wants from yeah, some.
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely, right, yep.
1: But he wants both. It's it's an interesting mm-hmm. tension.
2: Well, he does the same thing here with Jon Snow. It's these Mm. better men. These men who could be kings that he's like, they have something I want. Just something, though. I don't want to be them. I just want this little piece that they have. That direwolf, that would make me more kingly. Mance's king beyond the wall moniker is, I think, what he respects. And that's where, you know, hey, I'm three skins. Now I'm five skins. Now I'm six skins. And I don't think he would have fucking voldemort did this shit up to (laughs) 99 skins. So I'm horror crossing yeah. across the north just to try to emulate that one title of King Beyond the Wall. And, you know, yeah. you know, Mance is the guy. Mance is the guy. Varamyr Sixkins is a lieutenant. And so it's just interesting that it's little bits of people in these kings. Jon Snow, Mance Raider that he wants to covet things from because he ain't no sh- He ain't shit. Varamyr ain't shit. He's got
0: ninety nine skins, but a bitch ain't one.
2: But a bitch ain't one. That's but he tried this to.
0: He actually tried. Yep. He wanted that hundredth, Yeah.
2: A bitch was one, and it it was Veremir at one point. <laughs> like he jumped yeah. into the bitch to you know Damn. get.
1: Yeah. Mm. But I like what you're saying. Mm. Of you know, he wants to be like he wants to be like one of these better men, but he can't do it because he's not. Because he's as you said, he's a shitty guy, and he mm. wants to be respected <laughs> so badly, but he doesn't understand that. To be respected, the thing that Mance and John did was they respected other people, but Vermeer doesn't mm. respect anyone but himself. He doesn't even respect himself that much.
0: That's Mm-mm. so true. He does himself. so
2: true. <laughs> he needs
0: therapy. And his He's relationship so with his
2: animals is different.
0: Yeah. Animals are better than people too, but
2: like I, I mean yes. I feel that. Like I see a deer dead, I'm way sadder. You know? <laughs> I didn't even know that, dear. Yeah, and I'm fucking sad. Right. We we look at John and J- John and Ghost. They're like they're buds. They're best friends. They're BFFs. Yeah. The Starks and they're, they're wolves and him. He's like, yeah, no. This bear would literally rip my fucking throat out if it had the ch- if I let it go. It's slavery for him. It's yeah. not. Yes. It's not a willingness. I, mean, I don't know. He does say that like dogs and wolves are a little bit easier to slip into, but like. Summer and Bran, there seems to be a connectivity. Ghost and Jon, there's an understanding. Even Grey Wind and Rob, when we had them, there's this connectivity with the Starks and their wolves. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on me, because I like the Starks. But <laughs> it, it does seem like there's a difference <laughs> yeah, right, between Verimir and what he's doing, where it seems just... Something you don't want to watch or look at or, or or look too closely at. Where in the the Starks, you're like, yeah, that's cute. It's they have a doggo. I want a doggo. I do. <laughs> they're cruder animals.
0: I get it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a cruder. It's not as classy and neat as the Starks with their direwolves. Mm-hmm. It is cruder. Mm-hmm. It's darker. I love that. Fear pushes him to stand, and at the door, he realizes that it's snow and it's buried the hut. He pushes at it and the night was white as death. Hmm. He looks out at the snow and buried huts and the pale shadow of a weirwood armored in ice and calls for thistle.
1: Yeah. So again, a a lot of that language and imagery here of, uh, you know, the others are coming, which we know by the end of this chapter, because also that happens a lot in the prologues, you know, it's typical. So we have, again, that language of death being white, right? Like, the night was white as death, and also these pale... That kind of sounds like the pale, terrifying bodies of the Others and the Whites, of course. And then uh, as Zach pointed out earlier, right? Like, the the eyes being, like, described as two blue stars, and then you have a uh, language here of, like, a thousand stars watching them at this evening, and then also the armor of the Weirwoods, armored in ice, and I'm like, oh yes, just like, uh, mm-hmm. just like... The others. There's
0: even that dream John has where he's armored in ice against his mm. uh against the others in his dreams, and it reminds me of that. And then Danny has the opposite, right? That she's yeah. fighting those armored in ice. So it's definitely imagery George has brought in a few times.
2: And also yeah. the uh the stars above the Dothraki, you know, they do believe that everything of import needs to be done under the open sky and the stars oh, above to view. And so Perhaps we aren't seeing the last of Veramir. He may have a part yet to play in the grander Game of Thrones, like yeah. Mufasa
0: looking at right. the stars.
1: Yeah, true, true, true. I I thought we were going with like you know the others. You should <laughs> consummate your marriage in front of the others, but there's that too. Um, <laughs>
2: A thousand eyes in one.
1: Oh my god. Uh, voyeurism. Oh, we can add that to things that like are happening in this. There isn't actually this that book. much voyeurism. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough, according to close. <laughs> Not enough for <laughs> our Ned... tastes, I Yeah, mean. we have exhibitionist Ned Stark. And um... so a wolf howls. It's the very familiar voice of One Eye, the oldest, the biggest of the wolf pack, unlike Stalker, who's the leaner, quicker, younger one, or Sly, who is more cunning. And they all fear one eye, and I was like, Oh yes, yeah, interesting. Uh, there is someone else in this book with one eye. But mm, there's a few. You can meet so many people, Eliana. Actually, though, there there are actually a lot of people. So it's a thing. It's a thing. When the eagle burned, Varamir lost his other animals, including the bear who hated him. And as you called out, the shadow cat screaming, which actually when I thought about it made me super sad. Cats screaming is very sad. Um but Viramir did keep the wolves, who kept him warm sometimes at night. Interesting. Reminds me of someone else. Uh, though he knows that they'll feast on his flesh over the winter. And he thinks, you know, that's just right. That's just how it should be, as the wolves kept me alive. So, he should they. And he kind of looks forward to eating his own body again in his second life. Like, this is the meal that he's looking forward to and planning.
0: Some
2: Huron uh, shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like, mm, interesting. Um... I'd love to eat me
2: for my last meal. My choice is me. Yeah,
0: yeah I am a whole just... meal, baby. I am a snack. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fucking meal, snack and appetizer a half. hors
1: d'oeuvre. I'm all of it. I'm the entree. <laughs> yeah. I'm the
0: dessert. Dessert. You can have a
1: meal with Lady Hornwood. Um, oh my God,
0: <laughs> I love taking her out to dinner.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I had a thought while reading this. Is this? Do we know what village this is, and is there any chance that this could be the village from Samwell Three in A Storm of Swords, where Aww. Gilly gets backed up against the tree Aww, and they meet cold hands? Interesting, right? Yeah. That would and, be like, great. It's just a shitty, empty village because Sam searches it and there's nothing, and so it. And this is where Sam kills, uh fights Smallpall as a white and and all that, and uh, yeah, and Gilly gets backed against the tree. And I just couldn't help but thinking like there would be some symmetry in veramir dying in this little village here and the one that sam and gilly made their daring escape with cold hands from it's just real interesting because that could mean that perhaps the the eyes in the the sky the stars is actually blood raven cuz blood raven is known to check in on that village with his creepy little crows and such and so it could be that they are he is being watched right now a, a little more than he thinks
0: an interesting tinfoil. You yeah. know,
2: Nate. Nate's not the only one who can do it. <laughs> you
0: guys,
2: come on, man! Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: I definitely think he's watching for sure. And it, I mean, it's the haunted forest, so it could be right. any of this area. You know, none of no. it's really mapped very well mm-hmm. by the um, Westerosi common eyes and tongue. Not so much. We get some exposition of how dogs are easiest to skin change, almost human, but wolves are harder. They could be befriended or broken, but never tamed. Wolves and woman wed for life, Hagen often said. You take one, that's a marriage. The wolf is part of you from that day on, and you're part of him. Both of you will change. That wasn't the same voice as earlier, but, you know, it's I'm okay. finding myself in this. I'm it's finding okay. myself. Um, that makes me think of Generis a little bit. Not hmm. to bring Generis up, but, you know, wolves and women wed for life. Uh, it makes me think of Jane's loyalty to Rob, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of it in a much more uh, figurative sense, not just, you know, wolves and bitches fucking. <laughs> but it makes me think of what Melisandre and One, Adoboda said, uh, or saw, sorry, in the flames. The flames cracked softly, and in their crackling, she heard the whispered name, Jon Snow. His long face floated before her, lined in tongues of red and orange, appearing, disappearing again, a shadow half-seen behind a fluttering curtain. Now he was man, now a wolf, now a man again. And, to be fair, the last woman that he mated with did die.
1: That That is true. She did. She did, and, uh, was bad times and
2: bummer for for all bummer for all
1: (laughs) oh my god he knows dang you really did just crash course you really did just crash course all Uh our shit huh
2: (laughs) better for all has had me like my boss has noticed me laughing at that one (laughs) are you okay yeah no I'm good I'm good don't worry about it I was very lost
0: I was lost looking for something to say about what a bummer whatever we were talking about was and I'm like (laughs) bummer for all
1: (laughs) It is, though. And yeah, absolutely, though, in terms of them changing one another. And it is interesting.
0: Skin changer sex would be. Wow. Skin changer, skin changer sex. I mean, that's got to be intense.
2: Jumping minds and. Ugh.
1: Isn't that just the end of book one of Historic Materials? I mean, also, there's a lot of that in this, right? There's
0: a
2: lot of, like, demons and dust going on around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were talking about Generis here, and it's just, it's interesting because, you know, grit the last woman he mated with, was kissed by fire as well. <laughs> oh. And so it, it's just, you know, with this vision particularly, it's real interesting that he's limed in tongues of red and orange, and, you know, fire isn't usually something associated with Starks or Snows, and so it's just interesting that. What could it you mean? Know? Well, I have no idea. What,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what could it mean? Zach? What could it mean? I'm curious. Welcome to my TED Talk. Uh, I'm excited to find out in the winds of winter,
2: hitting a shelf near you. Look under your chair. Hey, he's making progress. He is. Be happy. Everyone be happy. I am happy. I am I'm very happy. News. I'm proud great of him. Great news. Mhm.
1: Not so much news, but a lesson from Hagen again. Better not to bother with other beasts, as cats will turn on you. Prey will make you cowardly. And he's like, oh, the other animals are kind of meh. But definitely don't be a Borb, apparently. He's very against that. Uh, he He's mm. like, Men were not meant to leave the earth. Spend too much time in the clouds, and you'll never want to come back down again. And that uh, uh-uh. those who skin-change birds just kind of stare at the sky. So, you know, speaking of Daenerys... It is interesting that those of the north, right, north north in general of that like island continent don't believe, you know, people are meant to leave the earth when it was just so core to Valyrian culture and society and we have in this very book, right, the absolute Joy that Daenerys feels as the earth falls away from her towards the end of the book, and as she's joining with Drogon when she's riding him for the first time, which is a very strangely sexually charged chapter. Yes, and yes, <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, it is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of double meanings in language, and and also again later, and then I also you know even think of Lena, uh. like Lena Valerian, who as she was dying longed <laughs> to fly one last time. That's what she tried to do as she was dying.
0: You're a cruel woman. Why have I chosen to love a hateful woman? Why? Um, I don't know. How could you do this to me? Easily. (sighs) Wow. What the fuck? (laughs) Other skin changers don't really feel the same as Hagen on this. At a gathering, Lump had attended at age 10. Most were wolf brothers, but there was also Borak with the boar, ah, Orel with the eagle, ah, and Ah. Briar with a shadow cat, and Grisella with a goat. Where was Harma? Uh, Veramir wants a shadow cat, but Veramir's stronger than all. He remembers Hagen weeping when he stole Hagen's wolf, Grayskin, shoving Hagen out to die without a second life. Damn, that's cold. Didn't matter, cause the wolf was old and joined Hagen very soon, in death after. Then why
2: the fuck did you do it? For shits and go. giggles. Not even joining the pack, like, oh, hey, come here, Greyskin, like you're you're one of mine now, like, hey, yeah, yeah, all right, you're gonna die soon, but like it'll be funny. Prince like... is a piece of shit. I hate him. Yeah, it's
1: not like the dragons, right? They keep living on, but I guess maybe did the wolf follow because Hagen died, and it makes me think of the avatars and Avatar: The Last Airbender and how their animal companion tends to die alongside with them. <laughs> so that one hurts. I'm just saying painful things today actually that one was a dragon for uh Avatar <laughs> yeah Roku you are you're, you're
2: being hurtful today i
1: am i am <laughs> so there's this tension here that veramir feels between like his blood family and his adopted family with hagen who cared for him taught him raised him you know pretty much which i mean this is something we see throughout a lot of the books right we have veramir being a little bit like Theon even though in a lot of other ways he's very much like Ramsay but here he's a little bit like Theon in terms of those changing (laughs) identities and names right he's going back to he goes back to his home village to get acceptance from his blood family to try and seek glory only to find out that there's nothing there but blood because they're all dead and then uh, he ends up betraying his adopted family, being Hagen, being he- the one here, whereas for Theon, it's Rob. And then also in terms of, like, that blood versus adopted, you're going to have that with Jon, obviously, right? Between his father, Rhaegar, and his daddy, Ned, and all of those other storylines, as well as his other adopted family, The Watch. Jon's life is hard. Um, he also <laughs> has to, like, kill one of his mentor figures and then watch the other ones die. Again, his life is hard. There's a part of me that also thinks of Verimir like, is he, like, a Sith, right? Isn't, like, that a Sith, like, rite of passage, you have to kill your master or something?
2: Kill the master, yep. Yeah.
1: But I wonder if this means that we'll also see Bran have a more active role in the death of Bloodraven, like, or does he do Ooh. something, like, inadvertently that still leads to, you know, a direct cause to Bloodraven needing to die or something, paralleling this mentorship and violence between Varamyr and Hagen?
2: Uh, one the Sith thing, I <laughs> I really like because you know it's a similar to kill the boy uh, mm-hmm. ah. and let the and let the man- uh, you know killing the mentor is similar to you have to sometimes your mentor and that's that's the lesson we're taught with Ned Stark is that Ned Stark mm-hmm. is not the main character of this story he's the mentor and he needs to die so that our protagonist can continue forward and that's I mean sure, even with someone as gross as Varamyr, that needs to happen too in a narrative sense. And so, yeah, this read specifically, I very much so was along those same lines of I think it could be Bran like accidentally shunting Bloodraven out and realizing that like oh, oh that's a thing I can do and now he's dead and so shit.
0: Oh that's Now I,
2: yeah. I, I you know trial by fire he's, he you know he doesn't get a second life so there's not even a little burb in a pot that can fly out at the Night's Watch meeting <laughs> oh, and no. be like ah! Right and so it, it could just be an accident and, and that shows him the dangers of Hodor and then he's gotta constantly from there make the decision. Every time time i jump hodor i could kill him i could shunt him out and that could be the end of hodor and so do i want to and then Brand's faced with the choice do i don't i and that can be his crux of dark side is a uh, yeah fuck it what's hodor matter or you know the good Brand stark being brand stark what if that's milk. the only choice
0: right what right. if mira hodor no Jojen will be dead by then oh! dead ass bitch but <laughs> love that boy sorry for him but you know what if it's saving Mira and Hodor and then of course Hodor's still going to die for him mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i do think there's a lot of merit to the bad show's cave uh, i think yeah. that's the yeah, point yeah. the point is that that cave has to come undone you can't yeah. s- as yeah. we yeah. know from John and Egret you can't stay oh in the cave you know i mean that's literally I'm the sure. whole thing
2: you have to leave the fuck cave there's you gotta just you got to leave the fuck no... cave All right
0: yeah. uh, uh so that's got to come and you know, it leaves me really curious because George did a lot of moving around of brand chapters during yeah. Dance and Feast mm-hmm. and everything. Like, he moved some stuff to t l from Tiwau, cut some things, moved some things around, uh, and found it a really hard way to make it all fit, right, and flow the best ways. So you know he thought a lot about this chapter, and the fact that this chapter was added, um, I think this chapter is meant to sow some of these thoughts for him in some aspects, mm-hmm. especially as we get some of these visions with the tree later. Verimir has a lot of self-confidence in his ability to skin change that he could take anything and finally he sets his sights on Thistle well, not his real sights he can't see her still been two to three days (laughs) Hagen would consider it an abomination and Mance would have cursed him for it too the price would probably be his ability to skin change and he'd lose the wolves but he'd be alive he scarfs snow meltdown to still his dizziness oh god, things are bad and realizes how hot he feels the snow just makes him hungrier Using a weirwood branch as a crutch, he heads to other huts to scavenge for for more food. I
1: thought this was like an interesting bit of characterization, right? We have Viramir skin changing all of these other very powerful animals like bears, cats, and wolves to give himself the feeling of power to feel like a hunter or predator. Now that I think about it, that's probably because uh, his family didn't like him for being super weak and sickly and they all loved Bump for not uh, for being a Chad, and um, <laughs> a two-year-old Chad, but Veramir—the way that all of the humans kind of are to the others—is—is is just prey, right? We see that he, as a human, he's not a hunter very much at all. He's a scavenger. He's a parasite, and he just sort of piggybacks on the bodies of all of these other creatures and the power of other humans. Like he does it to Thistle, but he also, especially, does it as we see with Mance's authority. Whenever he thinks of his own, like importance, he's like, I was. DFFs with Mance. And I was like,
2: were you? (laughs) Were you, though? (laughs) Yeah. Like, Mance's girlfriend doesn't even know your name. Like, relax. She's like, that Vardamar? That Vardamar guy. Yeah, get him (laughs) to do it. And she's way
0: more important than Mance, first of all. Oh, yeah. Furthermore, Zach, I mean, you know, furthermore, that's not who's important. Mance isn't important. It's important to impress the wifey, to impress the waifu dalla.
2: Yeah, dalla, absolutely. Yeah. I I thought it's also interesting cuz you you brought up cannibalism earlier and that's <laughs> that's I I know quick jump, but that's what <laughs> Verimir is from the beginning. And and that's what, you know, we see Stannis' army, we see the wildlings becoming is these these cannibals that makes them almost like a version of the others themselves. They are turning mm, on and yes. consuming themselves and each other. And Verimir switch it it's like a fucking switch where he switches into predator mode he's like thistle yup i'm gonna i should have jumped into her when i could and now we're seeing like a serial killer planning his this is my out this is what i'm doing and it's almost more insidious than the others because the others you expect it from you see them and you're like wow i'm fucking dead because they're literal ice and made of you know darkness with Veramir, she's trying to help him. It's that human-to-human connection. And then he jumps into her, which is so much more terrifying than the others, which are just this external force that you can see. But he's gonna try to reanimate her body with his consciousness inside, which is almost the exact same fucking thing that the others do to the bodies they yes. come across. And it's and he's literally embodying it, and it's just disturbing. This This end here, this run-up to the end, just Steadily Martin starts amplifying it and it's ugh, it's intense. It's good.
0: Good stuff. <laughs> Dark.
2: <laughs> Great times for all. Not a bummer. Not at all. Not, not, a bu- not a bummer. Not a bummer. bummer. <laughs> um,
1: the crutch snaps and Vermeer's legs buckle and he just lays there, you know, bleeding. Uh kind of like that snow patrol song, but not at all. Um and the snow's slowly burying him. <laughs> and <laughs> So we have we have this line of They say you feel warm near the end, warm and sleepy. It would be good to feel warm again, though it made him sad to think that he would never see the green lands, the warm lands beyond the wall that Mance used to sing about. The world beyond the wall is not for our kind, Hagen used to say. The free folk fear skin changers, but they honor us as well. South of the wall the kneelers hunt us down and butcher us like pigs. Interesting, interesting, and um, some of that language there, right? Like that's that's him, that's his a dream of spring, but also very much, just because I think about this a lot, and we'll talk about it a little. It's the the desire for paradise, his Eden. It's gone. He's dying.
0: Yeah, there's no happiness, no no garden for you. That's for sure. He remembers Hagen more of some of the warnings he gave him as a mentor, but also. How he showed him what else the world offered by going to Eastwatch and trading amber and pelts for wine, salt, and the copper kettle. Eastwatch had better goods because it's by the sea, and the brothers trust Hagen there. There Verimir started dreaming of going south. Yes, that dream of spring of prosperity. Varamyr could feel the snowflakes melting on his brow. This is not so bad as burning. Let me sleep and never wait. Let me begin my second life. Wow, uh, snowflakes melting. When's the last time you thought about that, Robin John? Right? We're all oh thinking about Robin John,
1: right? He's one of John's right? brothers. He's so close to John. John loves Verimere so much.
0: <laughs> oh my god!
1: But it does make you think of those like bittersweet, you know, goodbyes.
0: Yeah. And then not only that, look, we've attributed how many things to Hamlet in A Song of Ice and Fire by now. I know <laughs> it's a common, it's easy, right? So of course, it's very sleep perchance to dream. Right? Very much so suicide. Hey, there's the rub. What? For in what sleep of death, what dreams may come? When we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause, there's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. But it also reminds me of another poet, uh, Samuel Daniel, an English poet and historian who wrote a sonnet, Care, charmer, sleep, son of the sable Night," And one of the verses in it is Never let rising sun approve you liars, to add more grief to aggravate my sorrow. Still let me sleep, embracing clouds in vain, and never wake to feel the day's disdain. Which made me think a lot of those fights in the clouds uh, with the warging and skin changing of the birds, right? Let me sleep, embracing clouds in vain. And the great sleep, where you'll surely embrace a lot of clouds in the great sleep. The big one. The Great and War. the sleepers, the dreamers,
2: the sleepers that ah. uh, were awakened in the early days. Right. Don't interesting. wake interesting. the
0: sleepers. Yeah. yeah, that's
2: real good. Yeah,
0: I like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's That, ling- that language does feel re- very reminiscent of Hamlet and his dream, at least, you know, unlike when Daenerys has similar lines, is, For her, she does not want to dream. She's in that much pain, whereas for Varamir, he longs to continue on. And a lot of this chapter, especially towards the end, also reminds me of another poem, Fire and Ice by Robert Frost, which we're not going to read aloud because it's really short and we've read it many times before. Also Google. The chapter starts with hate and hunger coiling in Varamir's belly, right? Hunger, not just... Literally, I mean, he is pretty hungry, but he's also just a very covetous person. He longs for power and recognition, as we said, the kind that he sees in Mance. Uh, and that's because he's like, he's a greedy son of a bitch and, and he wants, right? We see that a lot in this story, especially from when They want, they want. Vermeer is someone who's very ruled by that desire. And also, he's also very ruled by hate, right? I mean, the chapter makes it clear that he hates a lot of things. He's a very hateful person. Hate, hate rhymes with hate. And... He's hateful because he desires, right? These things are very tied together for him. It's a cycle. And besides the death of, you know, Bump leading to uh, Faramir's own first death, the other death that this chapter is so focused on is that one of fire. We keep coming back to Oral and the eagle because, I mean, he desired the eagle and he desired that power and took it from Oral. And then one aspect of his world ends there, right? From what he's tasted of desire, he holds with those who favor fire. And then after oral, he inherits more hate, hate of Jon Snow, and it's within that hate and desire that Beremir does finally end up with his true death, uh, by seeking to steal Thistle's body, and then of course her reanimated white self sees him and probably hates him because I mean she fucking should, uh, if, if it can feel anything, we don't really know. It's the death of it's that ice death though, the world ending in ice. I love that. It's. Mm. There's a.
0: And Fire and Ice is like. You could tell George was into that. You know, I hear. He's
2: explicitly said so. If we're doing poets, I wasn't gonna, but I did. Ted Hughes is a pretty prolific poet, and he has one called Thistles, straight up. Ooh. I, I'm not gonna, I have a different one here that I'm gonna pull an excerpt from. Read Thistles, everyone listening to this, please, because it it describes the others' reanimation, and I'm pretty sure that Martin intended that, that Ted Hughes is a big inspiration for this chapter in particular, because Thistles originally appeared in a 1967 publication called Wadwo. Wadwo was a collection of poems by Ted Hughes. And a Wadwo is technically a wild hybrid folkloric creature that is part human and part forest. It huh. specifically challenges our sense of where beings start and end, which sounds awful like the children of the forest to me. But there is also a Wadwo, there's a poem that the book is titled for, and I'm going to read just a little bit from it. It says. What am I, nosing here, turning leaves over, following a faint stain on the air to the river's edge? I enter water. Who am I to split the grassy grain of water? Looking upward, I see the bed of the river above me, upside down, very clear. What am I doing here in midair? Why do I find this frog so interesting as I inspect its most secret interior and make it my own? Hmm. Do these weeds know me? and name me to each other? Have they seen me before? Do I fit in their world? I seem separate from the ground, and not rooted, but dropped out of nothing casually. I have no threads fastening me to anything. I can go anywhere. I seem to have been given the freedom of this place. Then what am I? It goes on further, but to me, the Wadwo is... Not only does it sort of represent the children of the forest in the part human, part forest, but it, it's describing warging. It's describing this mm. sense of etherealness, of oneness with the land around, with the roots and the trees and the, the reeds in the river. Have I seen these reeds before? Maybe. Maybe they're familiar to <laughs> me. Maybe I, Maybe not. <laughs> ah. Hey! <laughs> wrong
0: reads wrong reads oh wrong God. reads
2: wrong reads um, further north <laughs> further north and so it's just it's it's very much so i believe that ted hughes inspired this chapter uh or at least parts of it especially with the poem thistle which very much so has uh it's much more colorful language but it's very much so about redemption and resurrection which is super interesting so go read thistles and wood uh, woodwo, which is w-o-d-w-o for the spelling because it's a it's a weird one so
0: that's great I-, I love that i love the idea and the leaving your body right we talk a little bit yeah. about this over at his dark materials podcasting but there's something really interesting of like being able to achieve this enlightenment this higher form of yourself and having to like leave your body and push away yourself your your physical self And I think that's kind of like a a point of meditation, for example. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to, like, leave your fucking body. Uh, (laughs) That's literally the point is, like, just, like, vibe on that plane, that astral plane. So I love that poem. Yeah. Vermeer starts to consider which wolf he should live within. Not the female. He picks the large male, One-Eye, who sometimes mounts Sly. Hagen's lessons ring again, that in your second life, memories fade and you become more of the animal. Veramir experienced it once when he took Orel's eagle and shoved a raging Orel out, inheriting Orel's hate for Jon Snow. He's jealous again of Jon's direwolf, saying that it was a second life worthy of a king. King Snow Ugh. Ned, Ugh. and Snow. believes he was capable of stealing Ghost with Jon, still untrained in fighting his skin-changing nature, rather than embracing and glorying in it. I have to say good luck on that one. I want to <laughs> see that one happen. Try <laughs> mm-hmm, it. Try mm-hmm. it out. Let's see what happens. Uh, Mind fighting. me, Find out. Yeah. Come the fuck at me. 4D chess. I love that George <laughs> is connecting these thoughts specifically with John, right? Second life worthy of a king who, you know, dies in this book. So if you have any question of where the fuck John is after all these years, I think we know where he is, I think. He's Spoiler in second
2: alert. life.
1: He's playing second, second
2: life. Would he he you Ned's already? pigeon. Oh, Ned's pigeon. Ned's pigeon oh, worked into that one. Pigeon. Yeah. He he pushed Ned Stark out and killed him. It was awful. You know oh George was asked once, uh, if
0: if um who was it if you know, there were there was Mormon working into birds from Mormon. Mormon, yeah, Mormon, yeah. And he said that's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. So you never know. You never know. But second life worthy of a king? Okay, George. We see you. Snow! Snow Ned. <laughs> You know, we kind of get to watch Bran Tausel with all of this for the rest of a a double a Dance with Dragons, and then we get to see John Tausel with this with his actual death,
1: <laughs> his actual death. Oh god, real death,
0: for real, for real death.
1: It for was a for real, real, for real death. Yeah, it I mean, really yeah, was. The bitch that was died. people. I was buddy. there. You were there. Yeah, we were all there. We, we were
2: all
1: there. All there. Um, Bummer for all, except we for his that friends. Bitch. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, he sent them all away like a Ned Stark asshole that he is. <sighs> god (laughs) (sighs) but don't be alone
1: you know speaking of brand right like i love that now that we know because the show told us uh this is a little bit misleading right like it 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 has multiple meetings you know it's got layers like an onion and (laughs) shrek you know shrek a classic literature um this isn't just about a second life worthy of a king when it comes to John and that Targaryen. It's also about Bran and Summer, and mm-hmm. Bran being a king too.
0: I mean, Bran died, right? He fell and he died, and then he flew again. Um, that is true. Coming back mm-hmm. to some of the Sith mentorship you guys were chatting on earlier, <laughs> which is an actual analysis field <laughs> of ASWAP. Um, it is the Sith analysis, he- though. Like it really is. It- it's like he's watching. This is pretty much, you know, a, a mini portrait of what Euron probably went through when Bloodraven mm-hmm. didn't choose him. This is the opposite. Like, yeah. what if you were evil and you were chosen? Fully? This feels
2: like damp-, yeah. damp hair a little. Like, yes. in was sort of pushovery, yes. I I was a, you know, a, a kind of meek nobody and could have gone either way. And instead of being like my scary older brother, I ended up more of a pushover like Varamyr. But yeah. I got super damp hair v- vibes from this chapter the yes. entire time. interesting.
1: Yes,
0: I. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. But I, I feel that same way. There's a lot of that in this chapter. And also with with
2: end. with the bad show and Brand being king, I always like, and I know that's why I never took issue with that with the whole way it was done because it was pretty ridiculous. But it was. You know, it was always obvious to me that George was the gardener and that that was subject to change. So when they, I immediately was like, they misread this. They didn't get this part right. Because I don't think it's that Bran is king of that. I think Bran is a king in a different way. I don't Mm. think the title of king is going to mean the same at the end of the books Mm -hmm. as it does at the start of the books. Mm. and. I, I think that was just a misread on the show, uh, among any many other things, was a misread among the showrunners of the point that, where George was like, yeah, Bran will be king at the end, and they were like, oh, okay, so he ends up on the Iron Throne doing nothing, not even warging, and clearly that's not the way it's going to go in the books, and so for me... We're we're getting all this imagery of Vermeer being like, oh, a second life worthy of a king, and Johnson and Mance Raider I have this weird like appreciation, respect for, but also thought I should have killed him. And it's this. I think it's clear that Bran is going to be more important than just sitting on the Iron Throne, making law and order. There's a there's a power to Bran that, in no way, shape, or form, is just going to you know, end up moot and kind of like, eh, it doesn't matter. Bran being king is going to have huge implications, regardless of what that means. If he's still using his power while he's a king, that's one of the most powerful kings that's ever existed. If he's warging into the werewood net, he can see any enemy or any threat. And so it's just really interesting. I don't think it's going to go the left field, we're doing it to shock people way of the show. I think it'll be much more of a Either there's no one left, or it's a, I need to do this to continue things focusing for the living. And being the bigger narrative, rather than just a, I'm king now, here's why I came all this way. Yeah. Well, and that was obviously so silly. And,
0: I mean, you know it has to be a real ending when they take the character that's going to be king out of the plot for a whole entire year. (laughs) Um, Yeah. just like, okay, there's your step number one. I do think he'll be probably if, you know, this all goes to plan, The books are not, you know, set in stone. George could change his mind at any moment.
2: Mm-hmm. I doubt
0: that he will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, you know, there can be a balance between the two. And, and we're seeing, like, how much can you, Im- especially in this chapter, how much can you imbibe in these mystic arts without playing God? What yeah. What's the line to play yes. God? Mm-hmm. And how can you use your powers for good to benefit all people without using them selfishly? And that's a very fine line being locked in Varamyr, you know, gathering food, Thistle's out gathering food. He's not right now. He's literally only gathering food because he's about to die because she hasn't come back in time. And, you know, eating when you're in another form doesn't stop, you know, the real hunger, as we know. Um, So he's so far gone. He's like, I guess I better go fucking scavenge now, which he would never do. He wants yeah. to go the
1: easy route. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something there about, you know, not just is how to use power for good, but is it going to be how do we refrain from using power as well, right? Abusing and, it. Yeah. As opposed to using or abusing it. And, you know, and is a great example of how to not use it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I mean,
0: Jaehaerys landed with his dragon in many fucking places to give a very quiet, not so quiet, because it's a dragon, threat, right? Like, that's still, you know, that's a use of his power and somewhat an Mm -hmm. abuse to keep people afraid and keep them in line. It worked out well for Mm -hmm. his reign, and he coupled it in a golden way, right? He didn't do it in -hmm. a way that he's like, well, I'll kill all of you, like Magor would have. But Jaehaerys did still land on his dragon and step off and say, hello, townspeople, who's here to slight me? I mean...
1: It was about the implications, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the implications <laughs> of power. It is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> power.
0: You know what? I'm going to quote the a wise woman from a great TV show that they made books about Power is power. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to go Cel- <laughs> Selena Meyer or not, to
1: be honest. Oh, I
0: could have. I mean, uh, was that not uh, Selena Meyer? Was that not <laughs> Meyer? <Selenemeyer? laughs> Look, Varamyr has an existential crisis. He stares at the Weirwood and he's like, wow, all the bad things I've done, they can see it all. And, you know, all the taboos I've broken, like eating human flesh, hunting humans. And he says out loud, that was the beast, not me. That was the gift you gave me. The tree does not respond. Cause trees don't fucking talk. He dreamt an old dream of a hovel by the sea. Three dogs whispering, Three dogs whimpering. A woman's tears. This could be the Tower of Joy. Bump. Mm-hmm. She weeps for Bump, but she never <sighs> wept for me. I'm just three dogs whimpering, you know. Four I'm, against three. I'm, I'm yeah. weeping. A woman's now. tears. An old dream. It does read the same as Ned there.
1: Exactly, yes. And and the broken leg. The crutch. Uh-huh. Oh, there the you go. And Whoa.
0: the fever,
1: yep. If Ned had gone
0: beyond the wall instead of, you
2: know.
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh... Yeah, also, this bump actually died.
2: I think it's interesting that he says the trees don't respond. I think the weirwood crutch snapping under you, buddy, is all the. <laughs> uh,
1: is all <laughs> the response. Yeah, 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 that's a sign. Yeah, and-
2: right it, like they're literally not supporting it, i was, so, literally yeah. literally not so su- And like because like you know osha says to brand that it's the wind the wind through the trees is the old god speaking and yes. so like yeah. they're all you know especially in the haunted Aww. fucking forest they're all around you You're crutch broke you're fucked veramir like you're just not yeah. reading the the signs here it just
0: makes me think of theon because you know he's still worth redeeming Bran talking to Theon through the trees and whispering Uh, his name. Theon. uh, uh, Real tears. Real tears. Mm -hmm. Uh, No one
1: talking to Varamyr.
0: No, yeah, fuck Varamyr. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Lump was born premature and sickly. No one thought he'd make it, refusing to name him till he was four. Not two, four. Uh, And by then, Lump had stuck. It was in his head. His sister had named him when he was in his mother's belly. But little baby Bump had been born on time, strong. Yet died at two years old when Lump was six. Some Ramsay hours here. The Woods Witch tells their mother he's with the gods now, taking him down into the earth, into the trees. The gods are all around us, in the rocks and streams, and the birds and beasts. Your Bump has gone to join him. He'll be the world and all that's in it. That, of course rocked lump to the core who was like fuck bump can see everything i do even because he's dead and he feels all this guilt that he can't run away from including oh yeah all the dogs that were blamed for bump's death which his father executed each one several blows very horrible very awful i can't even this is worse than fucking marlin it was terrible this is fucking (laughs) terrible this is a real sin you see what i mean eliana that i thought that george killed dog in Brienne's chapters, like you all can't yeah. be mad at me for being so naive to think that because George loves killing animals and it's got to stop. Yeah. We got to stop that's this fair. man.
1: Yeah, yeah. We almost we, babies we actually, and dogs. We gotta, yeah, that's we, true. One also chapter. babies. One also chapter. Babies.
0: babies and dogs. This man needs to be ended. We have to get to him and tell him he can't write more. I'm just kidding. He can do whatever he wants. Oh my god, stop. Please
1: stop. Um, (laughs) Don't manifest this. Stop that. So,
0: the last dog, Lump tries to skin change him, but it was too late, and tries to plead, but dogs don't talk, so the dog whines, and Lump screamed when the axe hit the dog, and I'm screaming too, and his father drags him into the woods and thinks he's about to be executed, but instead gets given to Hagen, which I have to say, kind of has some vibes of Agat, right, with Ned taking them to see the execution. And being mm. like, this is growing up, bitches. Watch the death. Now you're a man. Um, Congrats. But it was like this, you know, some some Clegane hours with the dogs or some Bolton hours. Like, I'm going to kill the dogs in front of you and now you're a man. Damn. Yeah. There's no bravery yep. in this one.
1: Now he's a man, but not he's still a boy and doing a terrible job of it. Uh, yeah, so... This fever dream, it's Vermeer reliving his childhood drama, because again, uh, get lump into therapy. We could have avoided so much. Actually, even as a child, family therapy for everyone. Um, and, and, you know, the trauma though here is kind of self-inflicted. He kind of did that when he killed his own brother beneath the weirwood tree, which we should now be reminded of another tree. Because we talk about the Bible a lot on this podcast. The Tree of Knowledge in the Garden of Eden. But I see more parallels with the story of Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel. And we're going to go over this because... Maybe not everyone knows what happens in the book of Genesis, right? Because Adam and Eve, they have these two sons. Maybe they have more kids. Depends on which scholar you're talking to. The kids are Cain and Abel. Cain is the older brother. He's a farmer. And Abel is the younger. He's a shepherd. Both of them give offerings to God. And Abel's seems to be preferred by God. And in his jealousy, Cain kills his brother Abel. And some stories, you know, they'll tell you that this is the first murder. And God is later like, hey, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain thinks he's being very slick because he's like, am I my brother's keeper? And is kind of like lying to God. Even though I'm like, this is the same dude who kicked your parents out of, like, their home and is supposed to be omniscient. So he kind of already knew. I don't know what you thought you were doing. And then God says to him, (laughs) listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. And so cursed shall you be by the soil that gaped with its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. If you till the soil, it will no longer give you strength. A restless wanderer shall you be on the earth. Which kind of sounds a little bit like the language of when bump was taken down into the earth and lump kind of like cain ends up becoming a wanderer north of the wall never returns to his family because they all died and cain also tells god whoa hang on there if i'm a wanderer i think i'm a little bit vulnerable and so god's like okay i will put a mark on you that says that no one shall harm you anyone who harms you um or kills you will be punished sevenfold. Which reminds me a little of that saying that you told us about that thistle army sack of no one can harm me unpunished. Mm. I thought that was uh, really interesting when you said that. And so now here we are with Varamyr still wandering and who doesn't quite die at the hands of anyone else really, not anyone living at least. And so like Varamyr is just living. And living and living, going on after each death, wandering in his second life. And I cannot take the phrase second life seriously. I'm sorry. And anyway,
2: <laughs> it's a, I, I, just, what I, I just can't. Every time. In Eliana? I just can't.
1: I'm not. I'm not. But I'm just like, what, what is, I can't. I can't. Like every time I say it, like my mind jumps there and I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, it it's a story, right? Like Cain and Abel, some think it might be about Farmer versus. Uh, Hunter gatherer societies, but regardless of whether, you know, the first murder here, as it's portrayed, speaks to that idea of rejection and jealousy and abandonment and family and loneliness and belonging. And there, there are all these really ugly human emotions that are about that heart in conflict with itself. That's really what's at the core of A Song of Ice and Fire. And I think we really see those shine in this book specifically when it comes to theon but also especially Tyrion, right and and even john who is killed by his brothers you know if you will and uh Vermeer's story is also very much about breaking taboos right he's an abomination and we see that he's marked as an abomination actually it turns out right from the start not because he is a skin changer but he broke one of the biggest taboos in all of the different planetosi societies not just of skin changing, but of kin slaying, and that ties Varamir to the rest of the story.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because that could fit for Stannis too. Of oh, the, yeah. Yes. The first and, and and that's sort of where we're at right now is directly caused by Stannis, and Stannis is trying to till that fucking earth, man, wherever he can, yeah. and it ain't giving him shit anymore. So it a hundred percent is a theme going throughout, and. Hanging heavy over not just Varamyr, but a a lot of our our POVs. But especially here, I think George wanted to call a little more attention to that. Because, like you said, paradise is what Varamyr wants. Uh, And what's funny is that paradise for him is fucking Craster's keep. It's some small little hamlet where he is king. And he can have women come to his bed when he wants them. Otherwise, people are going to provide him, because he can't do it himself, with food and drink. and, and pay him homage because he likes being, he's got a fucking ego for some reason. And so yeah, it's just very similar to we're getting this story from every level. Stannis, the king, who's willing to kill his brother, spill that blood and as soon as he does, shit is so fucked up for Stannis (laughs) for the rest of the book and, and sucks to suck, my guy. Learn a lesson. All the way down to the baseborn with Varamyr where we're getting the you also killed your brother and you thought it wasn't, you know, it's wildlings. Why should it matter? They were probably going to die anyway, as he's saying about the babe that he killed at the start of this chapter to begin with. they It was probably a mercy to kill his brother because they're wildlings and they have it hard when it's a life you, you let the life live and try to do it the best it can no one should be playing this god of choosing who lives and dies and that you know i don't know if you guys know but martin doesn't think war is good and so <laughs> huh? He, he, huh? He, he, huh? what he yeah i know i know, I know. i'm know. i coming with thing. a big bombshell <laughs> but...
1: <sighs>
0: damn You've listened to this podcast before, and i, never I stuck the fuck out of that Zach a time or two, a time or two. Time or
1: two. Uh, I think he's better at these references than
2: we are. <laughs> are you looking for a job?
0: Because I'm really tired all the time.
2: Um, Don't you dare! I'm like, I've, been, wait- I've been waiting to fire. I've been waiting to fire someone, like, <laughs> no one. No one's been wiling oh out God. though. So any day, any moment now, get ready,
0: get ready. You know. There's a lot in this. Uh, The dogs kind of remind me of Reek chapters, right? They're good dogs. They're my friends, he says. Oh, God. Cersei's paranoia of Tyrion following her and ending Mm. everything she loves is is kind of here Mm -hmm. as well. And of course, like Zack said earlier, the relationship really reminds me of Aaron's abuse at Euron's hands as well. Uh, And a shout out to the discord, because a few of them were theorizing Aaron might be next. And I didn't, (laughs) you know, really go into detail with them or chat with them further. But it does make me think about it, especially with the Winds of Winter chapter, we're going to someday cover the Forsaken. Um, Spoiler for that really small spoiler, close your ears if you don't want to be spoiled for the Forsaken. But the warlocks being fed to the last alive oh. one, right? And Aaron being tied up on the prow and uh, remembering all of these abuses he suffered, and of course the shade of the evening, the fucked upness of mm-hmm. it all, and the magic of it all. It's uh, it's dark and very much like this chapter. George is really in his dark era, you know, with these.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Indeed, the dark era.
2: A
0: dance of darkness. My God! Oh. <laughs> I like that actually. It's kind of Dancer anime. In the dark.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't that like that sad movie? Yeah. <laughs> so
0: Faramir wakes to Thistle, telling him to get up because the whites are on the way. He's covered by snow, his hand frozen to the ground, a bit of skin comes off when he tears it. He's realized it's now or never, right? He's almost done. He summoned all the strength still in him, leapt out of his own skin and forced himself inside her. Thistle arched her back and screamed. He hears abomination, but he can't tell if the voice is himself, Thistle, Hagen, or Zack, even. Thistle resists, like his old shadow cat did, and the bear. She's shouting, get out, get out! Out, monster. Uh, Her body is flailing as she sucks in air. Varamyr revels in her younger strength before she bites off her own tongue, (laughs) the pain forcing him out she's raising her eyes to his face, clawing his eyes out, and spits out their tongue. Ah, oh, the language. My god.
1: It's a it's a loaded scene, right? Like, this is, I guess, the climax of the chapter, if you will. It's where the action really happens, uh, and it comes right on the heels of the reveal of what he did to his brother. It all comes together and shows you uh, this is how he treats people. And the way that the language is used here, I think, kind of telegraphs to us how we should feel about bran skin changing hodor i i mean we already know it's pretty pretty fucked up and horrific by the way that hodor reacts but earlier in the chapter we see Varamir think about how he should have just skin changed someone else back when all the free folk were together and and then he gets the idea to skin change thistle and there's the language of you know he thinks of her as she's just some ugly spearwife. wife Vyramir told Varamyr told him, I am a great man. I am Varamyr, the Borg, the skin changer. It is not right that she should live and I should die. And I'm like, mm, I don't know that. I think it is right. But also the language that he thinks in his head about her is like, thistle woman, where are you? Like right? when she doesn't come back immediately and it reminds us, you know, he's like thistle woman and that he sees her as a woman beneath him. Right. Like we see the way that he treats all the other women when he's like in the shadow cat and he thinks of her as basically equivalent to the beasts that he's skin-changing and not at all like a person. And then we have, finally, you know, after all, he does think Varamyr could take any beast he wanted, bend them to his will, make their flesh his own, dog or wolf, bear or badger, thistle, he thought. And in this, Varamyr is quite similar to our previous two prologues, with Pate and Chet and, and that's very explicitly so. You got like this three-for-three three thing going on here, right? He tries to skin-change Thistle, and the text, the, the way that it's phrased feels very intentional. It's, he forced himself inside of her, and Thistle's fighting back, get out, get out, and then her arching her back and screaming in pain. It's the language of rape, the forcing himself inside of her. It's that language of what rape is when it comes to that dehumanization and the objectification and using someone else's body just to satiate your own desires of using them just as a body or a vessel or seeing them as such. And we see that Viramir tries to erase Thistle's personhood, seeing only himself inside of her and seeing himself as her. And it starts splitting as it becomes like their body Right. First, it's his eyes and his tongue. But really, we realize Thistle is having this Lady Stoneheart moment of like, or Catlin moment of clawing out her own eyes. Um, it's her eyes, not his. And finally, she ejects him from her body by biting off their tongue. And unfortunately, what it does, like this, this act of raping her mind as she loses her tongue, um, he's silencing her by raping her. And I do want to emphasize that I am not the first person to liken brand skin changing of hodor to sexual assault because several other people who are smarter than me have seen that earlier than i and have called it out uh but this passage does tell us that we should be seeing skin changing in a person in the same lens as rape because of those aspects of forcing your will onto someone else and erasing theirs and then you also have that idea of consuming identity another form of cannibalism if you will which kind of makes it pointed when viramir tells thistle oh i'm hagin right in a way that's almost like skin changing he becomes hagen and it stands out in a book where it's implied that Tyrion rapes at least one woman likely two uh after all Tyrion's chapter does su- follow this one um immediately and it's probably why our patrons thought that the Tyrion chapters uh follow follow this prologue but they were wrong <laughs> and the one in which theon and jane are repeatedly assaulted and Theon is forced to take on a different identity, right? That his identity then becomes consumed by Ramses and Ramses' reek specifically. He's forced to take on that identity. And I will also recommend seeing a lot of this in the context of Martin's short story, Meat House Man*, which uh, the setting is a world in which dead bodies are reanimated for different purposes, especially for use uh, in terms of labor or pleasure. That's a great way to look at it. I didn't even,
0: I didn't read the next Tyrion chapter, you know, since we're not covering Tyrion I didn't next. either. <laughs> I didn't think I about it's a Tyrion it.
1: I chapter. I was just, I just saw, it said Tyrion. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay.
0: that makes sense. That's, a, that's the next Tyrion chapter. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's true. We literally see it in this chapter that it's kind of fucked up. So, there's that. There's a really beautiful passage I love the way this passage is written. Zach, would you do us the honors in, in recanting this? Of course I would.
2: <clears throat> the white world turned and fell away. For a moment, it was as if he were inside the werewood, gazing out through carved red eyes as a dying man twitched feebly on the ground, and a madwoman danced blind and bloody underneath the moon, weeping red tears and ripping at her clothes. Then both were gone and he was rising, melting, his spirit borne on some cold wind. He was in the snow and in the clouds. He was a sparrow, a squirrel, an oak. A horned owl flew silently between his trees, hunting a hare. Veramir was inside the owl, inside the hare, inside the trees. Deep below the frozen ground, earthworms burrowed blindly in the dark, and he was them as well. I am the wood, and everything that's in it, he thought, exulting. A hundred ravens took to the air, cawing as they felt him pass. A great elk trumpeted, unsettling the children clinging to his back. A sleeping direwolf raised his head to snarl at empty air. Before their hearts could beat again, he passed on. Searching for his own, for one eye, sly, and stalker, for his pack. His wolves would save him, he told himself. That was his last thought as a man. True death came suddenly. He felt a shock of cold as if he'd been plunged into the icy waters of a frozen lake. Then he found himself rushing over moonlit snows with his packmates close behind him.
0: This passage is fucking wild! This passage yes, is like... Literally. First... This is literally, first of all, this is just a Bran chapter. Again, like this is, (laughs) wow, some wolf dreamy stuff. And then, Mm -hmm. oh my God, that line, I am the wood and everything that's in it. He thought exulting. Has there ever been a more stark sentence to be said in this series? Mm -hmm. How could this be from Faramir and not Bran or Jon? The Lorax. The Lorax. (laughs) He's dying. And as he dies, he's in the weirwood.net. He's literally thrown in the weirwood. And it makes me wonder, do all things go into whatever this huge network of magic is when you die? Like, is this just your soul dissipating in the air? Uh, Thistle had returned to him. She had him by the shoulders and was shaking him, shouting in his face. He could smell her breath and feel the warmth of it upon cheeks gone numb with cold. That's basically just a brand chapter with Mira. I think there's a huge point that's kind of populating in this, that you have to choose yourself over your companions to go down the road Varamir did of ruin. Bran seems like he will probably do the opposite, right? Like he will probably suffer to get there, but he will realize that he has to not choose himself over his companions. Uh, And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it'll be an easy time to get there. And then even that line, a dying man twitched feebly on the ground and a mad woman danced blind and bloody underneath the moon, weeping red tears and ripping at her clothes. Now we know that's Thistle, right? Who he just helped blind back and forth in their battle. However, is this not Jingle Bell and Cat or even the phrase she just hanged? Like this is literally just the language of Jingle Bell and Cat coming off
2: of the Red Wedding. Yes. Mm, 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 Weeping mm, red mm, tears and ripping at her clothes. So awful, poor Jingle Bell—the saddest sound of all. Ah, sad, sad, sad. That's true.
1: Yeah, I and it's like what you were saying earlier, right? About like, imagine if this had been if this had been the prologue, right? You get it right on the heels of that storm epilogue.
2: Yeah, it's also a, a great. We're creating our own horror, is what Veramir is doing here. Thistle mm-hmm. wouldn't be nearly as terrifying when she sees him if he didn't fight a fucking jumper bones and she had get, make her claw at her eyes and everything, and it's the yeah. same thing for the others. We are the wildlings and the Night's Watch and the southern armies are all warring and no one can get their shit together, and they are creating this army of the dead. They're fueling it because they can't, and so this is just an isolated small version of we're creating the horror in the world that is literally going to consume us all, and no one can get their shit together from an individual basis all the way up to the kings and queens that are playing their games. And the thistle just arching her back and then clawing at her eyes. It's so sad, but it's so horrible at the same time, and the end of this chapter is just, nah. Nah. So good.
1: It really is. It's, I wonder if you stay in the Weird that, right? Like, if you don't go into a second life. It sounds fun. Sounds great. Good times. It's
2: like the um. Spider-Verse. It's also interesting that there's no, you don't have to think it, that it just happened to him. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because he was, he was like, oh, this hurts, ow, ow, ow. And then true death came on him and he was in it. It wasn't like, I got to jump now again. It just happened. And so,
1: like, the waiting room.
2: Right, like Jon Snow, someone untrained, uneducated, as Varamyr said, isn't going to have to do anything to start his second life. It sh- he should just, whoop, go right into whoop, whoop right into that little goat. Whoop, oh my god, right it's there. just
0: like, like a spawn room when you play video games after you die. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep,
2: uh-huh. it's a save point. Yeah, it's a save point. You, you, you're going to respawn right over here, and then you know hopefully you have a Melisandre who can put your, your wargness back into your likeness that is in a nice cell.
0: But not this time for Varamyr, huh? This is, what? uh, there's no, ah. he's out of lives. So that motherfucker is game over. He's uh in one eye now, going to the hill's crest, looking at the village, and remembers Thistle, what he did to her, and he feels grief and immense guilt. Frost is taking the weirwood now, and the village is full with whites, some in brown, some in all black, some naked, all with pale flesh. The wolves know these aren't men or prey.
2: The things below moved but did not live. One by one they raised their heads toward the three wolves on the hill. The last to look was the thing that had been thistle. She wore wool and fur and leather, and over that she wore a coat of hoarfrost that crackled when she moved and glistened in the moonlight. Pale pink icicles hung from her fingertips, ten long knives of frozen blood, and in the pits where her eyes had been a pale blue light was flickering, lending her coarse features an eerie beauty they had never known in life. She sees me. Justice for Thistle.
0: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Justice for Thistle. I feel so bad for her. How to turn your girlfriend into the Night Queen 101. <laughs> wow. Oh also, the passage of time here is something that just struck yeah. me when you read this. Is yeah. that- same. She turned, and she's now covered in hoarfrost since she died. So, like, yeah. he makes the death feel like it was just, like, half an hour ago. But he's, as he's warged into the wolf, he's spent so much time within it, right? And he's lost himself in that. So he doesn't know how much time it's been. And all of a sudden, he comes upon a village, and she's joined up with the other whites. Wow. And she's already covered in frost and turned. That's fast. I uh, Overall, I think this chapter... Lays so many of those foundational bricks for Bran and Euron, especially duking it out later in their brainwaves. It feels like, and also that path for John and Ghost's connection and how it's going to save his life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, it's a banger of a chapter that I I really didn't appreciate I think until uh until this read. And I have a new tinfoil. I have a new tinfoil now. Um, I tweeted oh, about no. it, but let's go over it. This is my last. This is my last um, monologue for this episode. Um, in case you missed it, you know this chapter is really focused on bodies. We get this whole thing where you know again, Vermeer has like all these warm fuzzies. He's like, "Ooh, I'm so excited about being a wolf and eating my own body." And there's also like a lot of attention given to the pain that his body feels. So like the chapter is just very, very, very conscious at all times of Vermeer's body. And so it's really interesting that it gets called out that Thistle rises as a white. But then again, now we have the passage of time. So now I don't actually know because I didn't catch that passage of time anymore. So maybe like fuck my theory. But to go into it more though, where is Varamyr's body, right? It's supposed to be right there, but we don't really know what happens to it. And I mean, let's be real, right? watching your own body get reanimated by some other force without Whoa. being in it. I mean it would have made for some good horror writing maybe but I again don't watch horror movies so I don't really know. Um <laughs> but it has the potential. I I can read horror. Yeah, I can read horror. I can like same. see it as I a I can't comic. watch it. I can't watch it. Um We're soft, you know? And it has the (laughs) potential to be fitting for, like, Viramir, right? For his sin of trying to steal Thistle's body, for him to witness that happening. And yet, it doesn't in this chapter, as far as we know. And then you have, like, Jon's first brush with the Whites in A Game of Thrones showing us that they retain their memories, and so maybe they, like, keep some of their spirit or soul in there, and maybe, like, that memory or that spirit or soul being left in the body is necessary, for the whitification of a body so obviously like i mean we see clearly skin changing is very useful in like very many offensive use cases uh but could it be that the children of the forest and the first men also use skin changing as a defensive method to prevent the others from turning them into whites that could be used then to hurt their fellow humans loved ones like, was that in a way their own, like, sort of last sacrifice that they get to choose for themselves what happens to their spirit uh, rather than, like, imposed on another or, like, so they, you know, do they choose to lose that direct access to this, like, glorious afterlife? And then they eventually, like, lose themselves in this animal and they do it for the greater good, but also it's an escape right like that way they don't have to experience the fate of being brought back and remembering if there's any sort of consciousness in there and knowing that your body is being used which in the context of what Vermeer does to thistle really makes you think about how terrible you know as, as you were saying earlier zach right how terrible what the others are doing is yeah but now i don't know because of the time the time thing that i didn't notice I oh, don't know.
2: Well, I think I think to that point it was I think that more shows Veramir. I think that goes to your theory that his eyes are only for Thistle because that's what he fears. Himself being resurrected, he doesn't really care. He's excited to fucking uh... eat his corpse. Thistle is scary. He fears her now because he created that fear in himself. Uh... His yeah. own body, you know, Veramir was a piece of shit. He didn't like Veramir the man. He didn't like fucking uh, dumb Eric. I mean bump. I mean lump. Whichever. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> Leave dumb Eric out of this. <laughs> dumb Eric. He, uh, he. And so I think it absolutely is. You know, we fixate on what we fear, and yeah. him. Even though he clearly is losing Veramir very quickly over this passage of time, something about thistle. It's that. Oh, what is this one? He may have even already forgotten that Veramir's body is dead there in the snow. It's huh. just the the memory of Thistle now is the thing that he recalls because she was the last body he was in. And so I I think it lends more to your theory that he only has eyes for Thistle because he's, he's losing himself. And the only memory he has now is that, hey, I once tried to literally mind rape that woman. And like, hey, if that's, you know, if yeah. that's not something you remember, then I don't know what the fuck is because it's pretty awful.
1: Yeah. I mean, he just kind of remember it, because when he sees her, he like feels guilt,
2: right? Apparently. Right, exactly, and um, so I, I right guilt or like just uh, like damn, I didn't get her.
1: Yeah, that's a yeah. very interesting like human emotion. But I like what you're saying of he fears her because he made her like that. Right? It, it makes me think of your monster, Bran.
2: Right, and um, and, and I don't know Stoneheart, what that fucking means. The, the- but the phrase yeah. created that terrible terrible ghoul of a woman True. with the mm. the fucking rakes in her eyes i mean that's thistle is obviously an allegory to stoneheart but just True. in a, a a much smaller scale that people are being violated on so many different levels where People are creating enemies. It's literally Cersei. You know, you you in ah. squashing one enemy, you create five more. There, there. It's this and never ending game, and no one wants to learn from history. Chloe, I think you were the one who said how to how to create the next. Night Queen, like we're not learning from history here, people, like these things have happened, and no one wants to fucking listen, and so now we've just got this perpetual cycle of let's creating more let's keep creating more dead, more terror, the fist of the first men, perfect example of that, just feeding fodder to this army of these are the men that are supposed to be fighting that army and now they are fighting for that army and it's this, it's this war machine that you just keep cycling through and it doesn't matter king, queen noble, peasant, or bastard born, you're affected in the wheel if you live anywhere in this shitty continent that is Westeros at the moment
1: we are going to break the wheel Uh <laughs> he said it he said it best
0: I have nothing to say, because Zach said everything that was in my brain for the last, like, day about it. That's insane. Did you just, like, hijack those thoughts? Was that skin-changing? How did that happen? Whoa.
2: Whoa. Whoa. I've been fucking
0: skin-changed on my own podcast. Holy shit. I've been fired. I mean,
2: where would Nat? I am Faramir! Oh. Wow, Zack-Zack, oh. it rhymes with Faramir. <laughs> it doesn't. You have to- re- Oh, wait! You have to remember your name!
1: Ah! It's like, but maybe, have you considered that Zachary might rhyme with Verami? <laughs> like last episode when I said Varemi. Uh, which I left in for
0: posterity. I don't know. I just forgot the R when I said it. No, it, it doesn't though. But... It doesn't? Not really. Zachary? Verami, Not really. That's not really. That's pretty weak. Well, that's about all the time we have for tonight. Zach, it was a blast having you on. Any last thoughts about the chapter today?
2: Um, I was thrilled that you guys had me on one. When Nate and I, because you guys, you you tossed it to us. You let us decide which brother wanted to, and, you know, kind of feel it out, what we were thinking as far as chapters, and we had a good long discussion about it, of Pate versus Varamyr, and, you know, how do you fucking choose between the two best prologues that there are? You, You got the, as you said, the Alaris chapter, last chapter, or you've got this one, but this one is much more akin to what interests me about Asofa, which is the more mystical. There there's elements of the eldritch apocalypse that's looming, the warging that's constantly going on, the skin changing with the Starks and and the kingdom with Jon Snow, Bran and and the Stark lineage of having king's blood. And the north of the wall, which is one of the most interesting places we can be, especially like now, as shit is really hitting the fan at hard home and and with Stannis being Stannis in the north and having his wife and children ditty bopping between different castles diddy on the poppin'. wall, it's a real popping place to be than the north, and so I love this chapter i love uh, like I said, I think feast is the best book, I think this is the best prologue just because of. Martin comes out swinging. He comes out hot and he's like, hey, this is what dance is going to be. And it's going to be a miserable fucking time, but it's going to be like really beautiful language. And there's going to be some cool, like, descriptors to tell you the terrible things that are happening to the characters you love. And I'm here for it. So thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I It was a blast. Anytime. You are absolutely
0: welcome back. Maybe in a Tyrion POV someday. Who knows? Who's going to say?
1: He can sub in for one of us. <laughs>
0: you can just be. He has me down. <laughs> he, knows. he had More all jokes, of the catchphrases
2: like, down. For yeah. I'm good. I'm, I can take a I, vacation. I don't have a Jon Snow voice, though. Oh, mm, that's a deal breaker. I know, I know.
1: You can make your own. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't want it. I don't
0: want it. Uh, Well, you can find the Brotherhood Without Manners Uh. over at BrotherhoodWithout.com. Is that true? Am I Mm -hmm. making that a good? Awesome. BrotherhoodWithout.com. Manners Without on Twitter. You can find Mm -hmm. Zach on Twitter as well. We'll have those links all below. And then I guess us, Eliana.
1: Who are we? Um... (laughs) Well, you can always find us on, not on Second Life, but on social media. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, You can find us on social media on Twitter at Girls Gone Canon, C-A-N-O-N, where we will, you know, update y'all with uh, what we're doing when it comes to Hot D, quite different from, you know, this cold chapter. Or, of course, you can send us an email at girlsgonecannon at gmail.com if you have any thoughts. Yeah, and you can
0: subscribe to us over on a podcast streaming platform near you. Some of those podcast streaming platforms are indeed Apple slash iTunes, Google Play, Acas, Stitcher, Audible, you name
1: it, iHeartRadio. We're on a bunch of them. Yeah, we we are. We are. We are also on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon.com slash Girls Gone Canon. And... Uh if you are in the $5 tier and above, the Streater tier and above, you will get access to bonus episodes. Yes, like this coming month's mother mothers of dragons. I don't know what's
0: going on. I don't know why I can't speak. Mothers of Dragons. (laughs) The mothers of dragons, mothers from fire and I thought it was mothers
1: of the dragon. Fuck, it's mother of the dragon!
2: (laughs) Motherfucker Dragon! Motherfucker Dragon. There's a hot D, a mother and a dragon. Fuck! oh milfs of the dragon
0: can check us out in milfs of the dragon coming to you to a patreon episode near you and of course brunch august 28th 2 to 4 p.m et eliana time that will be a blast we can't wait to see you if you're in the thunder tier and above or to our weekly hot d discussions hosted by our friend maddie as always i've been one of your hosts that cannot speak today chloe I have been another one of
1: your hosts, Aliana. Um, what if we called them like hot discussions? But anyways, thank you so much to our other other host who is doing it better than we can right now. My God. Zach, for joining us.
0: <laughs> thank you. We'll be back with Bran, right? Bran, next In month. our second life. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, our second life. Oh my God. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you. Goodbye.